0: Goal goal! In incredibile! Il pareggio dell'Empoli, il pareggio dell'Empoli
1: Jovinko!
0: Jovinko! is versatile and capable of playing in various offensive positions. Jovinko is a product of Juventus' youth academy and went on to play 93 games for them, finding the back of the net 14 times in the process. His Juventus career was often interrupted by injuries and therefore had loan spells with Empoli and Parma.
2: Now, to everyone's surprise, Jovinko left this area for Major League Soccer at just 28 years of age, which tends to be a footballer's prime. And on the other hand, MLS is known to be somewhat of a retirement home for popular European footballers. This move mirrors in move to Toronto, which was actually confirmed this January.
0: He became the league's highest paid player, higher than the likes of Kaká, who represented Orlando at the time. Jovinko won MVP in his first season and also scored a a record 68 goals in 114 appearances in his four-year spell.
2: Jovinko has most recently featured for Al-Hilal in the Saudi Professional League, scoring 12 times in 57 appearances. Now, following Manolo Gabiadini's ACL injury, it has been announced that Jovinko will be joining Sampdoria immediately. This is the first time he'll be playing in Italy since 2012 and we're all very excited to see
0: him. So hello and welcome to episode 24 of Serie A Spotlight. We're your host Jake and Matt. And actually, OK, I know we said that we're going to first plug everything before we introduce Grima, but I have sporadically changed my mind. So here we are with Luke Grima, our second guest ever on the podcast. Hey,
3: great to be here, guys. No so problem. Pleasure having
2: of you. Bro. For those of you who don't know, Grima is an Inter fan. So obviously we're going to be picking on him a little bit here and there. We actually grew up with Grima, We went to school with him in a very posh private school. Yes.
3: Also, if it feels very auspicious that you decided to invite me onto the podcast, just so happens right after the derby defeat.
0: Yes, if um, Inter had beaten Milan, you wouldn't be here, bro. So guys, um, very exciting to launch our new um, website, spotlight.com You can go check it out. We have a few articles on there. There's an about section. There's You can listen to our podcasts over there. There's our socials. Everything is plugged over there. Um, I have COVID right now, so it's encouraged mm-hmm. me to work on it a little bit. So we're quite proud of how it turned out. Um, you can go and check it out. And ov- obviously, um, follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, wherever
2: so in case you guys realize that the sound is a bit different in this podcast obviously as jake said he has covid so i'm staying the fuck away from him personally <laughs> so i'm at my girlfriend's house right now so we're recording this online which gave us obviously the opportunity to have luke on as well so yeah. worst things I in the world i personally moved in with him exactly. hi yes <laughs> fantastic <laughs> but well it's it's hilarious because everyone was like oh no bro it's fine you probably don't have it anyway i'm sure you and jake aren't that close. Bear in mind, Jake had COVID when we were watching Inter Milan, so my tongue was basically down his throat when he scored <laughs> that second goal. <laughs> it's almost as if,
3: like,
0: uh, he made a deal with the devil. <laughs> exactly. I'm had like, COVID okay, I'll devil. give you, I'll give you my birthday weekend and um COVID, the next train for a <laughs> Milan victory.
2: <laughs> it makes sense. What, I take wait. that to be honest.
0: Oh, what a It's
3: game. not that bad a trade. I would, I would have taken it too. Same, of course same. You would have.
0: <laughs> I mean, anything to see Inter within touching reach. I'm um, going seven points clear. Would have been depressing yeah. to be honest. One hundred percent. What you guys
2: drinking before we get into the games?
3: So, although I said I was going to go get a drink, I'm still drinking my coffee. So I
1: have <laughs> yeah. <Yeah>. <laughs> really we'll exciting guy, guys. Maybe make it guy, guy, bit bit Irish. Maybe we'll ah, make okay. it a bit
0: Irish. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. This is oh yeah, this is Serie A, bro. You have to make it Italian. not some limoncello. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking, Jake? Uh, I was meant to get a Gatorade but I forgot, so I'm drinking absolutely nothing and it's going to bite me in the ass because I'm going to end up talking like this. <laughs>
2: I'm drinking Pinot Grigio for all the cool people out there listening. You got damn right. right.
0: You're a resident alcoholic over here. So I think we should start. What do you think? You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm down. Okay, so the first game we're going to be covering is the massive 230th edition of the Derby della Madonnina between Inter and Milan, which took place, of course, at the San Siro. We do not refer to it as the Stadio Giuseppe Meazza over here. Um, The score was Inter 1, Milan 2. Prior to this game, Inter had only lost one of the previous 11 Serie A meetings against Milan. Now, I'll quickly run you through the play-by-play, and then we can talk about it for 30, 40 minutes, however long you want. (laughs) Um, In the 38th minute, Perisic scored thanks to a lovely Chalanoglu assist. He was unmarked on the corner. I believe that Kalulu could have done better. He mistimed his jump and missed the ball. Um, Calabria was nowhere in sight as well, and Perisic completely unmarked to just put it in the back of the net cleanly. In the 75th minute, Giroud scored. He started and then did the play. He started the play with a tackle on Sanchez, winning the ball, and eventually converted Brahim's deflected effort. In the 77th minute, it was Giroud, who scored again an assist by Davide Calabria. It was the Olivier Twist, which this episode is actually going to be titled. Um, A beautiful goal, iconic. I think it will go down in Derby history. Um, maybe Handanovic could have done a bit better. We'll discuss that later on. In the 94th minute, Theo was sent off for a foul on Dumfries, perhaps tactical, perhaps a rush of blood to the head. We will discuss very soon. So Grima, first of all, your, your thoughts on the game. So
3: where, whereas you said you would rather talk about this for like 30 30 to 40 minutes, <laughs> I wouldn't mind speaking about this for just five minutes to try and get out of my memory. but. Um, I think from the play-by-play that you discussed, it showed the roller coaster of the game, and also probably the roller coaster of my emotions, which was <laughs> mirrored by the roller coaster of both your emotions. Um, I was after the first half; I had actually been quite happy with the with the performance. I think uh-huh. uh, there was a night and day difference between the first and second halves, but mm-hmm. we'll uh, maybe we'll get into that a bit more uh, later on.
0: And, uh, in fact, you know, I the... think Inter had, Enzagi at the end of the game said that Inter dominated the match for about 70% of the match was dominated by Inter. Do you agree with him?
3: I wouldn't say 70%. I would say definitely 50%. So the first half and maybe the opening minutes of the second. But I think there was a huge drain, especially mm-hmm. in the energy uh, and the performance of Inter.
2: As soon as uh, the first substitution started to be made. Yeah exactly. Yeah, I, I think right. it was I think it was as soon as Chalaoglu and kessi left the pitch, the game seemed to take a, a turn to Milan's favor man.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, kessi started the game and you can see the idea behind it. He was meant to be man marking Brozovic, right, but mm. um, he didn't play very well at all. and you can tell like his head is, is somewhere else, right. Yeah, for sure. But I think he's
2: on his he's on his way out. I don't think his heart's in the club anymore. I think it, it you know, it's terrible memories of what Hakan did to Milan, it's terrible memories of what Jija did to Milan. And I think the same thing is gonna happen with Kessie man. I think those three fucking musketeers are best
0: as far from the club as as possible personally. Is he, is he
3: also represented by Rayola? Is he another one of them? No,
0: his um, agent is a family friend, and apparently that's a big contributor to the payday he's trying to get. He's trying to sort him and his future generations out uh, with, some, with some nice agent fees. Um, yeah, but, but there was a, a difference in professionalism. You know, you could see, for example, when Benasser came back from AFCON, within a day he was back in training. Um, Kessi took mm. a few days off, and he was heavily criticized for it, to be honest. Um, rightly so rightly so the guy wants eight million a year when he he doesn't deserve them to be honest with you he doesn't deserve eight million a year. no i mean he's got
2: the he's got the quality he's got the physicality he's you know he's a great passer of the ball he's really grown over the past around four years i think with milan but yeah once once you reach the pinnacle it's, it's not okay to just stop there and demand more money. You need to up your game. Your work rate needs to keep increasing. You need to play games whenever you're fit. And I, I don't think Kessie has been doing that for Milan in the past six months. Before that, he was a wet dream for anyone. <laughs> also, I think that this game, um,
3: and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, it's, it's taking this more advanced position. I think the idea for me, when I look, when I saw it, first of all, was that he would bring that physicality Uh, Mm. to the game to make Mm. up for the lack of physicality (laughs) maybe that comes out of Giroud Uh. and Abramovich. Well, by physicality, I mean the the athleticism. The legs. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and
0: Brahim Diaz, to be honest, is direct replacement. Like you could tell, Inter are a very physical team. There's Bastoni, Devries, Skriniar, Brozovic, even yeah. Barella to a certain extent, and Chala aren't are pushovers. And even the wingers, Perisic and Dumfri, everyone yeah, exactly. is strong. Like so, you put yeah. Brahim in there, you risk you risk him getting completely lost. Like this is a strong yeah, team, really right.
3: Inter, very physical. It's uh, it's a Conte team. It's a very very yeah. Conte-minded
0: team. Yeah. Uh, Marotta, design team. True. Um, yeah. Magic Mike, uh, by the way, is my first talking awesome. point over here. Um, that's... Like, people think, like, was this an Inzaghi fuck-up? And I don't think it was an Inzaghi fuck-up. I think that Inzaghi's tactics were good, even with Zeko drifting wide and kind of crossing. You know, that caught Milan's defenders off guard. They weren't expecting Zeko to take such a wide position on the pitch. Um, but Um, But, yeah, basically... Mike kept Milan in the game. No, one hundred percent. Yeah, on multiple I, occasions.
3: I hundred percent agree. I mean, Giroud might have got the man of the match award for those that quick fire double that mm-hmm. broke my heart, but definitely in the first half, he he kept them in the game. If we hadn't made those those two stops, um, mm-hmm. the game would have been completely different. Uh, I don't my- think Milan would have found their way a way back into the match the same way they did. Mm-hmm. For
0: sure. Imagine Giroud scored his goals in the first half, and Mike pulled off those saves in the second. Do you think Mike would have got Man of the Match? Oh, maybe,
2: probably. Mm. I think so.
0: <laughs> it could be. Yeah.
3: It could be, but I don't know. It seems to be much more skewed to <laughs> favour strikers <laughs> and goals and assists. It's yeah, true. That's true. It's
2: true. And so um, speaking of yeah? speaking of goals, in in my opinion, so the first goal by Perisic had me screaming, and not in a good way. I mean the lack of zonal marking that that happened in the mm-hmm. box i think there was a lack of communication like you said between mm-hmm. kalulu and calabria over there i mean for the ball to sit down perfectly to the inside of Persic's foot after a corner that's unacceptable defending mm-hmm. in my opinion and and i think that is the one and only defensive mistake we saw from kalulu and Romagnoli throughout, with well, rather kalulu and calabria throughout the game i'm so used to saying Romagnoli made a mistake <laughs> but he's just <laughs> the first thought that comes to mind um, but I, I definitely think that was the only defensive mistake Milan Milan made throughout the game. And other than that, kept their shape really well, man. I think yeah. Milan did exactly what they had to do. So I remember you mentioning Jake, in the beginning of the game, you were saying, as long as Milan don't concede in the first half, then we're absolutely fine. And I think the fact that we only conceded one goal in the first half made it fine for us as well. And then it was that kind of quick turn of events that... I kind of compare it to the Liverpool game where Rebic just got those goals out of nowhere, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. But this time it
2: was Giroud and this time the lead lasted and they didn't come back and bite us in the ass.
0: It's a mentality thing, right? Um, The whole never giving up, persevering, all those cheesy, horrible cliches that (laughs) seem to ring through. Um, About your Calabria point, I have to say though, every time I watch Perisic against Calabria, Perisic gets the better of Calabria. Ah,
2: I have to agree with you there. It's 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 the pace, man. It is, is the, it? the pace. I I can't think of anything else that that makes Perisic a better player than Calabria. I think well, it's it's the pace and the experience. I would say. What do you guys think?
3: I think it's definitely. I mean, Perisic, although, uh, but how how old exactly is Perisic? I mean, he's he's in his his thirties thirty two? I think yeah, something yeah, like um, that. He's still he still keeps showing his his physicality. Um, He's got a great head on his shoulders, you know, he's mm. able to adapt to the position. When Conte had first come over, the first thing he said was, you know, Perisic, I have no idea how the hell I'm going to play him. We <laughs> had a few friendlies where he was chucked up front. He was ah, he a striker. Players. And he said, listen, he's not positioned for this this left back. And off he went to Bayern Munich, mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
2: mm-hmm. who won the Champions League, I think. that's <laughs>
0: He's 33 years old. <laughs> they yep. won the treble yeah. that year. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Perisic was not that treble winning team, man. Yeah, no wonder Then is. he
0: came back With a massive pair of balls and Yeah Exactly I'm not even sure Gossens can Directly replace him Considering the form He's in Paris no, He's
3: he's just really 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 adapted well To this uh, Position I mean over the, the Course of this year Last year It took him a while To get used to I felt like as well Because um, He was still trying to adapt To How far he had to track back mm-hmm. How far mm-hmm. he could Linger forward Now he seems to have found That perfect balance Where he's Seemingly, both supporting the defense at times, and um, going in and and just crossing the ball in for for Inter's attackers. I think he has also in the Champions League. He was one of the highest crossers, one of the top five highest wow. crossers in the CS in the group stage. Wow. Um, and I mean, you can still see his input now. He also, I also can say that one of the main reasons he's doing so well is because he's got great communication with Busoani. They just seem to know. Mm. That's true. Uh, who is going to overlap? Who is going to move move along the channel? I mean, Perisic sometimes cuts in and Bastogne will go wild wide to produce the
0: crosses that's true uh, yeah that, that's really interesting to see and it happens on the other side with Scrinia too quite often yeah mm-hmm.
2: now we're talking about the battle on the right-hand side between Perisic and Calabria but let's shift our focus a bit to the other side of the pitch because there was another great battle over there there was Theo Hernandez against Dumfries that is as entertaining as it gets and it, it shadows last year's competition between Hernandez and Hakimi which was very exciting as well and I think Hakimi got the better of Hernandez that time round for the majority of last season. Um, but I think Hernandez takes the cake in this one. I think Hernandez yeah. did a br- just a fantastic job of pissing Dumfries off throughout the game. Um, Dumfries just wasn't focused towards the end of it. You know, had he not had that that physicality, that strength, and that pace, Theo was all over in his head. You know what yeah. I mean?
3: Uh, also the difference in quality between I mean, him and Hakimi, you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Grim, how
0: do you feel about Theo Hernandez? <laughs>
3: do you mean, do I feel like he should have got sent off?
0: No, no. How do you feel about him as a player? Is he one of those Milan players that you detest?
3: I both detest, but I respect in a way. I okay. mean, he for me, he's still one of the, the greatest left-backs. I mean, I would love to have him <laughs> playing <laughs> with Inter. But, uh, I mean, we got Gossens, who yeah. arguably probably was the
0: second second best wing back yeah, if not yeah. the best he gives him around for yeah. his money definitely but it ha- I have, it has to be said that Theo Hernandez is the master of rattling players and oh, fans sure. as well he he gets the ball in the back he does that weird turning thing where he pretends to go right and he just scoops left and leaves his man like mm. in the box dangerously like he did know. it in the
2: last fucking couple yeah. of minutes of the game man before he got sent off i was fucking screaming mm. like he stop doing that, does
0: that shit. and and Jesus. i always end up first i'm screaming what the fuck are you doing then i'm like oh then i'm like what the fuck you know exactly then he dribbles three players, he falls over easily, wins a foul, you know, and 11 players are in the referee's face screaming at him just out of sheer frustration, you know. And that I happened to Dumfries
3: it, man. many times. Exactly. I mean, mm. there was a number of challenges or knocks. Some might have or should have been a, a foul on mm. somewhere were just physical uh, but Dumfries like Matt was saying was up in the linesman and the referee's face exactly bro I celebrate
2: <laughs> never have I ever celebrated my own players red card the way I celebrated Hernandez Hernandez's I lost my shit it's like we scored a goal in my opinion man the way he just fucking <laughs> you know cunted yeah. him from behind <laughs> after he took the ball off him do you, like, do you how, think well, it you was a tactical
1: spear? foul
2: yes I think I think so I think it was I'm not I, I sure
1: think... well it would have
2: it, it's... been
3: something was said I mean now because they're actual fans in the stadium it's much more difficult to pick up on
2: what the players mm-hmm. are saying between them it's... I mean there must have been it, it must have been a like hints of shithousery as well he's quite a yeah, shithouse yeah. there Hernandez but I think the fact that he gave the ball away and and had Dumfries whooped the ball in and, and like I don't know Zeko Zerko got to the end of it would have been Hernandez's fault so he was like no fuck you like I'm not gonna give you that leverage like so he counted him and he got sent off. And to be honest, we play Sampdoria next and I'm not too worried about that touch wood.
0: So well, they have just spanked Sassuolo 4-0, which we'll get to eventually. But um, eventually, with after Theo's red card, Inter really wanted to take advantage of that. And at the end, Handanovic went up, who seemed to be seven feet tall, by the way. And he even yeah. won the header. He got that looping he header over the top. If someone had oh, fucking, fucking followed probably. up on that, though, that would have been the equalizer at the end there. I was, I was terrified. <laughs> Mm. speaking he of redeemed Handanovic, himself definitely yeah.
2: no for, but I, I really couldn't blame Handanovic for the second goal and I'll tell you why now as soon as soon as I saw the the goal in, I'm like come on bro you know what I mean you're an experienced goalkeeper you should be saving that but the bros Giroud turned and shot in a split second he would have been as shocked as as every single one of us to see the 35 year old pull that off so there was an element of, you need to give him the benefit of the doubt in the sense that you know his view was impeded i think devry was blocking him and, and Devry was defending at that point so he'd be banking on devry making the block over there and Giroud managed to turn and get the shot away in the space of a split second and he caught handanovic by surprise so for a keeper of his age to get down quickly it it, it, it was a tough task you know what i mean so i wouldn't give handanovic 100 percent the fault you i mean you wouldn't give him the fault it's
3: probably uh, there's there's an element of the, pers- the the perspective in that Manian was just having uh, an amazing game. Mm. And when it came to the other side, you know, Handanovic couldn't pull off uh, a similar save that yeah, manyan would have reached. But mm. as well, like Matt is saying, the blame doesn't fall directly on Handanovic for the second goal. I, in my opinion, Dev, Dev, Devri was, was uh, at fault as well because mm. he should have known what Giroud was trying to do I oh, mean get on at, his left foot like you know at his at that age Giroud's not going to pull off any crazy <laughs> I don't know Neymar inspired <laughs> tricks
0: it's it's all um, he does he turns and he shoots or he lays it off you know you have to yeah, expect was... him to do that both on Handanovic's end and both on Devry's end um, so I think
3: it was a lack of concentration as well from yeah. him in, in my mm. opinion he should have just moved forward you know either try to battle him physically or try to intercept the ball before it even arrived in his feet or pushed him off off his left foot yeah um,
0: definitely
2: clearly it didn't happen though so <laughs> no not at all not at all but uh, i so inter are now up to two losses in the in the league the first yeah. loss obviously being that lazio, free right? show of a match against lazio simone Enzagi's return and um, return, returned. There was all that shit. So, to be honest, I wouldn't cut Inter too much slack about losing that one. It's one of those weird ones throughout the season. And now Milan mm. <sighs> joined that list of teams that beat Inter this year. Will there be any other defeats for Inter? Who do you think, you know, do you think Inter will recover from this? I know they're playing Napoli now, so that's a big test for uh, them. What, what do you what think? Do you think? You're
0: worried about that, Green? In fact, I was I was speaking
3: offline, you know, with Jake about this yesterday uh, when mm. we had originally planned to to record this episode. <laughs> um, I was actually completely terrified after we lost the derby. You know, <laughs> um, before the derby, a lot of us were saying, you know, when Zagi came in. Uh, we had just sold Lukaku and Hakimi. You know, the team looked completely different. Are we still going to be able to compete at the highest level? And uh, we got out of the group stage. Which is something that we haven't been able to do for the last few years. We've been in CL uh, and beat in Shakhtar. We we were top of the league, and and you know we we're progressing in the Coppa Italia. And I, I just noticed that after the derby defeat, you know, in the next three three games, all this could have self destructed because if we yeah potentially lost to Roma yesterday, lost to Napoli, and we're going to get a spanking against Liverpool, I feel <laughs> at least. Um, the season would have just self-destructed luckily <laughs> we managed to play well and 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 continue to no, compete in the no, competition. luckily
2: luckily green that fucking weird game against spezia happened that's that's what's lucky for it that's the only true. thing that's stopping that's milan true. from catching inter within the next well unless obviously inter keep on winning and they recover well <laughs> but to put into perspective just how much of an impact a referee's decision has milan would have been ahead of inter by two points obviously with inter having that game in hand so enhanced. let's say inter wins that game it, it, inter would be one point ahead which is it's against bologna difference yeah yep. Fuck bologna.
0: yeah I, I don't see them doing anything that game at all That's like a standard two nil three nil win for inter
3: but you never know <laughs> arnautovic <laughs> could have just like a stormer could
2: be. um, Didn't they beat what, what was it did they beat lazio three nil the season they did, they did
0: but that was uh, like during a weird chaotic bunch of mm. fixtures for lazio they played like like I, I can't remember like three uh-huh. times in one week or something and barely had any rest days plus COVID was was weird. we were on and the wrong
2: was... side of bologna that time we were we yeah. were in Sassuolo stadium watching them play internet losing we could have been in bologna stadium with that lovely fucking, like weird church they have in the, the, of the, the tower stadium. yeah uh <laughs> watching them kick watching them kick ass. So that that would have have been of nice. that would have been really mm-hmm.
0: fun um so we spoke about the substitutions. Um, I have to praise Pioli for a second because I don't feel like we did it enough. Um, his substitutions were adventurous. They were brave and they worked. He brought on Messias and he brought on Brahim for Salamakers and Kessie. Now, Salamakers didn't have a great game. kessi didn't have a great game either. I was worried that's that's simply because of who Kessie is. He'd just keep him on. But he didn't uh-huh. do that. He took him out pretty early and he brought on... Um, Brahim Diaz as well. Now, that was that changed the game for Milan completely. Mm-hmm. Plus, mm-hmm. on the other end, Nzagi seemed to fuck the game up by taking out Chalanoglu. He said at the end of the game, it was because he was on a yellow card. You bring on Vidal what? because Hakan's on a yellow card. Vidal, uh, no, but I get he's it. more get likely it because... to get sent off.
2: With <laughs> but, <laughs> you know? I, get, I get that, I get that. But towards the end of the game, where minds and legs are tired you know you, you take out channel before vidal you bring on that crusher if you're if you're ahead and i mean vidal can get those last second tackles in as well obviously alongside brozovic they will be the more conservative um midfielders and then you have Barella being a bit more adventurous over there so i don't think that was the the bad move i think the lack of impact that maybe vidal had on the match maybe he didn't assert that aggression instantly off the get-go like he normally would but I think more than that, more than Inter taking a step down, I think Milan just took a massive step up. Once Brahim came on, Brahim was loving, sexy, magic when he came <laughs> on, man. He was insane. And I'm so glad that Pioli didn't just drop Kessi to a defensive midfield role and take out Ben Asser, for example, but rather swapping him directly. Um, because Ben Asser and Tonali were playing the ball around beautifully. Whoa, man. Man. Wow, they what a so display good. from both of them. Mm-hmm. Man. Literally which is good because I mean you look bro you look at these two you know what I mean and and towards the beginning of the season we doubted whether either of these would start alongside Cassie a lot of people were saying that Bakayoko is going to fit right back in Mm -hmm. stuff like that and Tonali and Ben will have to fight for their place but these guys are are ridiculous and I think I'm going to put some special emphasis on Tonali because just for for the full season He's been insane. I think he's been one of the best players in the league this season. He one has. of the best midfielders for sure.
0: Yes. Inter didn't chose not to take him, man.
2: Exactly. In favor of Vidal.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah. I'm so happy with him, man. He's so fucking I, good.
3: I mean Tonali, Tonali the season just took took a step <laughs> up and he's really like uh-huh. blended in to the Milan team, and Brahim has just been on another level. Is, mm-hmm. Brahim, is Brahim actually fully owned by Milan Arsi still on loan with an So there's a Last loan with an loan. obligation,
0: but Real Madrid have a have a call back clause. Um if they want to, and it's I think it's only valid for the first year. I think. I'm, don't quote mm-hmm. me on this. But um I, I, I thought I thought it was a two year loan. It and, is a two year loan. Um they can they have the chance to bring him back, definitely Real Madrid, but it's up to them. Like to be mm-hmm. honest, something that's similar to Morata, yeah i With think so as a, exactly exactly um, very similar in reality i don't think they'll call him back just yet uh, i think he started off really well brahim but then he kind of dipped to the point that real madrid might be looking elsewhere which is great for yeah, him exactly. because i really like brahim yeah. i hope i hope milan keep him real madrid
2: rate brahim um they, they rate him quite highly and the fact that he was loaned out and he had a successful two years at milan might make them want him back bro i'm, I'm quite concerned about that as a as a milan fan but and you know how Real Madrid are did they, want to take him back and then just flip him and, and make some money off him, you know what I mean? Or true, like, they, like Barca had season. done with the OFL. Exactly. Ruin him a little bit for a season and then and then sell him for five million to Atletico. That's what fucking Real do, man. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens with Brahim.
0: Yeah. Yeah, fuck that. I hope not. Um Oof. Grima, could Inter have used Sen
3: after watching him play against Sassuolo, well, I'd say definitely. I mean, <laughs> I actually thought about this. I thought that it would have been a mistake to to clone him out when he scored in the Coppa Italia for us. As soon as he came on and he had that, that yeah. impact and he was showing that he might have signs of coming back, you know, uh, there was definitely the argument that maybe he shouldn't go to Sampdoria. But at the same time, every time he's shown signs of coming back, his legs just seem to give way yeah. and he's out for another few months. He's made of so, glass
2: it's not but, worth keeping sense man to be yeah.
3: honest. But definitely if he came on in form, he would have been the perfect replacement for Hakan because in my opinion that's that's what we lacked. Although you can argue that he put on Vidal to try and drop back, you know, he wanted to cover mm-hmm. Hakan because he had a yellow card, which seems to be the norm in this area. Yeah. He uh, always
0: makes five subs regardless of the game. Yeah.
3: But it's it's also very automatic, you know. It's it's whoever gets a yellow card in the midfield seems to go off for Vidal. <laughs> but mm. but also um In my opinion, it was a bit of a mistake or a bit of a misreading of the game in that Milan were putting on Brahim Diaz. And maybe he wanted to have someone who's going to play a bit more defensively and cut out uh, his creativity. But we also flipped the game onto ourselves. Like now we were waiting for Milan to advance and attack Mm -hmm. rather than we were trying to keep Milan on the back foot, which I feel that having Hakan there the the threat that he would have had, you know, by being able to play the the ball into certain positions, maybe Milan would have been more wary about giving away set pieces because that's one of the biggest areas that uh, we've improved on ever since joined. We seem to have true. actual true. set piece presence,
0: mm-hmm. um, which is weird because Milan never Milan had always struggled from set pieces, particularly corners. And apparently, since oglo has joined Inter, all you've done is score corners. <laughs> It could uh-huh. be it could I, I remember
2: be. hakan hadn't scored that bro did he even score a single free kick of course Milan, yes right? no, he,
0: he, did, he did he did he scored how many though like a,
2: a very countable i amount, recall no? two mm. in oh, like that's... four seasons how oh, exactly
3: okay. i specialist. mean it could be combined as well with inter having very you know tall players mm. good good with their head yeah. i mean uh, inter were scoring corners against milan in past derbies as well True. if you want to exactly I mean, the three <laughs> refer back to De
2: yeah the, the three Ugh. center backs a- a- alongside zeko oh, man that, that's enough of an aerial threat to be honest but it was really good seeing the those three center backs of of inter being somewhat exposed like seeing the free beaten one v one to Giroud was something that brought me so much joy man yeah. and just seeing them like yell at each other and disappointed in each yeah. other. It's not something we normally see. Particularly
0: them, you know. because De Vries is like a, a perfectionist. You no, know? I, I read something mm-hmm. recently that he he employs a Dutch company to keep stats about his performances and analytics. Yes. And he yeah. studies his performances because he's a perfectionist. And he wants to continue improving. Like he's probably that's studying so that spin as we speak. <laughs> yeah. no, that's I should have excuse. studied it
2: before. <laughs> That's I an mean, excuse. He owns a betting company in Malta. I can guarantee you that.
3: <laughs> um, um, I guess no, but I, but the
2: Friday this season
3: has has fallen off a bit, in my opinion. Not in the, not in to say that he's bad or in any, mm-hmm. in any sense mm-hmm. of the word, but his performances have dropped off from the highs we've seen in, in in other seasons, uh, where where Bastoni has has just you know I think become one of our best defenders, best prospects in general. He twisted in, his uh, ankle yesterday. Yeah that's very worrying he's also sent off for for two games mm-hmm.
2: which is being a mm. bean uh huh. as well i believe i think inzagi has a one match ban yeah, i think it's it's only... okay, yeah one, one i think it's one match and, and Lautaro, Lautaro, got Laut- Lautaro got like fine 10k or or something, or something. Like yeah, he. he you think he spat? spat did player. you see it?
0: Uh, I kind of. At first, I was I like, know. "Nah, he didn't spit." If then I'm... I saw one more clip, and like, if you look at the if glass, you can honest. actually see something hitting it. It looks like he spat. I, I don't know. I don't know.
2: I, I didn't have that clear of a look at it. To be honest, like to, to me, it, it it makes zero difference whether he spat or not. Like we, we won the game, and, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, I did see his head move in, in in a motion that shows I could want to get forced by something. <laughs> so in this case, it would be his weird spit. Um, but at the same time, I saw nothing leave his mouth. So I don't know. I don't want to be out here analyzing spit rather than football. Yeah. But that, that's what I saw. I mean, maybe he listens to the podcast.
3: he's like, you know, it will, it will fuck with their minds. <laughs> I'll, I'll make the motion, but not spit.
0: Just so they can debate. <laughs> now next week he'll spit without the motion.
2: Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he'll just drop one. Like, Can we just say, we spent so many years... Watching Milan Inter, which would be like a fight for like 5th place, a fight for like 6th place, 4th place at most. Those shitty ones Mm. with like Nagatomo and Biabiani and fucking Uh, um, all these players like Jeremy Jeremy Menes, Menes, exactly, and all these people. Um, This is the Derby della Madonina, man. These guys fucking fucking hate each other. It's first against second. It's a title fight. And you can tell these players don't like each other, eh, man? It's not just an act. Like, they hate each other. None of that
2: Chiellini bullshit, bro. None of that, look, we're friendly, we're exchanging. Uh, allow, live in the moment, the live, fuck. love, love. <laughs> like, no, shut I mean, the fuck is... up, Squidward, you know what I mean? <laughs> this is this is it. We fucking hate each other. Sure, fucking shake each other's hands after the game and, and, and all that. But during the game, that's what I want, bro. I want tackles flying in. I want arguments. Pushing, disheated. provoking man it was insane yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean these these players you know they're, they're they're actually in a title race they actually feel like they have a bit more pride than some of the other players we have had over the exact so, exactly I mean uh I I would say it's been building up to this you know there was the Lukaku incident as well yeah exactly last season. True. uh and 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 if, definitely if the transfer policies at both clubs uh, continue to go the way they're going. I think we'll continue to see games like this for hopefully many seasons. Let's hope so, man. Mm-hmm. One In the relegation three. battle for Juve. Exactly. <laughs> <That's pretty
0: lucky. laughs> Come on. One more thing. Can I, I ask wanted, you? One, one.
2: Go, go ahead, bro. Go ahead.
0: Um, I just wanted to ask if you guys saw the clip of that that guy wearing a jumper when Giroud scored yeah 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 so first exactly no he was wearing a normal (laughs) jumper then he took it off when Giroud scored the winner and he was wearing a Napoli kit underneath and he was jumping with the Milan fans and celebrating with them because it's a (laughs) three-horse race you know Napoli are still in it as we mentioned before I was
2: that was the question I was about to ask Grima like who's the better team bro is it Milan or Napoli in your opinion I think Milan at full strength are still better than Napoli at the moment because Napoli have shown right
3: that even are, no. when they're playing, you know, their preferred eleven, they could still have shockers of games. I mean, Milan lost to Spezia, but <laughs> that wasn't a shocker yeah. of a game,
0: though.
2: So
3: did Napoli. Yeah. No,
2: Napoli lost to Spezia as well. They did. They did. They did. Napoli.
3: I <laughs> mean, Diego Motta yeah, is, yeah. is on a streak at the moment. You know. He <laughs> well, is,
0: unfortunately not
2: anymore. But, not anymore, but,
0: yeah. but he's still undefeated. Mm-hmm i'd say exactly That's... the manager of the month went to seller um away and played for a draw but anyway we'll talk about that later. exactly <laughs> <laughs> anything i, else I you think want to we've covered i i think
2: we've covered it there big person i don't know green do you have anything you'd like to add nothing yet i think we've covered
3: most most of the main mm-hmm. top, you know talking points cool. I-, I just
2: want to say that it still feels like a weird dream w- what a magical magical night dream i know it wasn't like that for you but <laughs> You've had your fun over the past few years. Let us enjoy this one. <laughs> it was yeah. one of my favorite derbies in history. I think the fact that For sure. Giroud scored two goals where he's been somewhat struggling and. You wanted him out, as in not out of the squad, but you you wanted Lazatic to come on. I in the was screaming minute.
0: for Lazatic to come <laughs> on. I was like, Giroud can't get involved with in this game. It's not his fault, <laughs> but the ball wasn't getting to him. I was like, we need no, someone more mobile. Just bring on that Lazatic guy. Let's see what he's all and about. It got to and he him, him twice, dude. I have never it's- been happier to look like an idiot. <laughs> I mean, funny. we should we
3: should pro- pro- propose you as like the director of football <laughs> for sure, for sure. That guy Absolutely. with the podcast
0: who has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. Mm. Giroud, by the way, seven goals in eight starts. All his goals came at San Siro. Even oh. the away goals came at San Siro. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious, man! That's hilarious. It's, it's weird because Giroud only scores at home, and Zlatan only scores away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, true. he's just very
3: efficient. Yeah, and I, I mean, we've seen that with Chelsea as well and with with back in the day when it was with Arsenal, you know, he'd come on and he'd just, and even with France, even when he was mm. not playing with Chelsea and they'd put him on in France and France need to get a goal, you know, he just mm. pops pops on and, and managed to get get one in the back of the
2: net. Exactly. I'm sure Zlatan has some some weird saying as well as to why he only scores away from home, like, lions do not eat in their own nest. <laughs> <laughs> <In> their own <laughs> nest. This is some weird shit, like. <laughs> yeah.
1: Alright, bro. Uh, shall you we ben? move
2: on? Shall we? Let's go. Yeah. So where are
0: where are they placed at the moment, Inter and Milan? Oh yes. Um of course Inter are first one point ahead of Milan as it stands. With a game in hand, of course, against Bologna. Fantastic. So the next game we're going to be covering is Juve 2,
2: Hellas, Verona nil. So coming into this game, Juve were coming off a nil-nil draw to Milan. But since then, as we all know, they've had an incredibly busy Mercato signing the league's top scorer in Vlaovic and the Swiss sensation tennis Zakaria. And they both started the match, which was very interesting to see. Hellas, Verona, on the other hand, were coming off two impressive victories in succession against Sassuolo and Bologna but they missed Simeone and Caprari in this game which obviously was always going to impact the team ever so slightly Verona were actually unbeaten against Juventus in their last four matches where they won twice and only drew twice obviously we all remember the reverse fixture where Cholito scored that insane goal where they won I think it was 2-1 I don't remember um only Samp have a better record than this where they went unbeaten against Juve in five matches and this was around the 2013 season Um, So, yeah, Verona had the opportunity to equal that, but they obviously didn't manage. So, I'll take you through the play-by-play. In the 13th minute, Vlaovic chipped the keeper after a lovely ball flicked through by Dybala. The pair were already really linking up well at this point, Dybala and Vlaovic. Um, One thing people may not have realized about this goal is that Vlaovic actually started this attack um, by winning the ball in the air against Gunter after a long ball by Szczesny. And this physicality is really something that Juve lacked with not having that number nine. They only kind of got it when Maurice Keane was in the team. That's when they were starting with Morata and ball alongside each other. They didn't have that guy to kind of, that Zlatan or that Giroud, to kind of flick the ball on after the keeper mm-hmm. pings it forward. Vlavic became that guy. who started the attack. Dybala flicked the ball through. Vlaovic tripped the keeper in superb fashion. In the sixty-first minute, like as if unbelievable, Zakaria scored as well. So the two debutants both scored this this whole magical fucking bullshit. Um, <laughs> he finished cleanly after some superb work by Morata. Morata was insane. He outmuscled Chicharini in the situation. He carried the ball forward, and then the ball that he gave just split the defense in half. Zakaria was there. He had a lot of time, and to me, it's more impressive when a when a striker or a forward, whatever, finishes a chance when he has a lot of time because he has a lot of time to think about it he's got three options but he just chose the one he stuck to it he put the ball in the back of the net and debut goal and a 2 nil victory for Juve that put them in the Champions League spot obviously after Atalanta split, slipped up which we'll be discussing later <laughs> now the obvious talking points guys in this game are Vlaovic and Zakaria But aside from them individually, I really want to discuss, because more often than not, we've seen managers taking their time before deploying new players. Mm -hmm. But Max slotted these two players into the starting eleven right away, man, like a week after they signed. Like big balls from Max to pull that off. And it worked out. What do you guys think about it?
0: So I think Vlaovic... Already has like league experience, and like when you sign a player for 80 million euros, you have to play him immediately. So, I think that's Mm -hmm. and plus, that's a position that they've been desperate to improve, right? They needed a striker. Same can be said about the midfield, you know. I feel like he had no choice but to do that. I feel like he would have probably preferred to ease them in, but couldn't, he didn't have the facilities for that. What do you think, Green? Big man.
3: Oh, no, I think the same, the same. As Jake, that Vlahovic, you know, he was quite a. It's quite a plug and play uh, situation in that he he essentially put him in, in the same very similar conditions that uh, he was he was playing in in Fiorentina. I mean, he was desperate to go to Juve clearly because he it's it wasn't the first club that approached him or mm-hmm. approached to sign mm-hmm. him. Uh, he joined on his birthday, so he was definitely fired up. So he joined on his birthday. Aspect. Yeah, he joined yes. he joined <laughs> Juve on his birthday. I had no idea. Turned twenty two. Joined wow. the club and scored the debut <laughs> goal, <laughs> and That's leading, insane man, leading the Serie a scoring charts.
0: Recently, I read something that which um, he They asked him, "What would you be if you weren't a football player?" You know, Crouch would say a virgin. Um, Vladevichfi yeah. said, ah, <laughs> a, "A doctor, man."
2: Okay. Yeah, I, bro, he was studying medicine, and and apparently he's he's a genius. Like he, he could have graduated, well, not easily, obviously, but like he could have been making hundreds of thousands as a doctor you know what i mean
0: he said he's making millions as a football player he made the right choice yeah <laughs> we made we made that joke
2: because the commentator said he could have been a he could have been a surgeon but decided to go for the football route needless to say he made the right decision and we're like really bro don't we need more healthcare workers you know you know, you know what i mean like these guys out here making millions for kicking a ball we need healthcare workers um but but fuck it i think personally that Aside from these two guys, well, bringing these two guys in and having, especially Vlaovic as that number nine, Juve looked really different. They looked like they had this four-three-three. That was kind of swapping to a four-three-two-one at times to a four-three-one-two. It was really nice. And one thing I really enjoyed was seeing Morata kind of play a bit more out wide because exactly. his pace and his strength really came off. And he didn't get many scenarios where he was put on the spot in front of goal where he tends to struggle. But rather, we saw him use his physical abilities out wide. How much better is Morata in that position, guys? 100%, 100%. I agree. I mean, I
3: think one of the main inclusions or one of the main benefits that Vlahovic brings besides uh, some some others that we'll we'll mention later on is that uh, the the formation completely completely changed and they have players like not only Morata I'd I'd pinpoint Dybala especially because in my opinion Mm. we might we might might be looking at Vlahovic you know is the hot new signing the marquee signing for Juve but you
0: think he's hot
1: man a little
3: bit No, but for me, the was definitely the man of the match in this in this hmm. in this game. You know, he came on it was and, a great. Uh, man. the fact that he was allowed, he was given more, more freedom to roam mm-hmm. behind the striker, as well as Morata, they're able to drop a bit deeper, you know, play those passes and eventually managed to get the pass off to to Vlahovic, who yeah. finished and, and and got them the goal. I think that, that was one of the main benefits that Vlahovic brings. As well as the for fact sure. that Juve were definitely one of the main issues they had was that they were relying on Morata you know, and, and mm-hmm. Nibala to, to be their main scoring
0: output. When they've and... never been the type, right, to score twenty yeah, goals exactly. a season. The last season Debala had where he scored twenty goals was in two thousand and seventeen. And since then he's pretty much had SUSO numbers to be honest. So he kind of performs <clears> for <throat> like half a season. Um yeah. was visibly frustrated to be subbed out in the seventy fifth minute. Quite a lot of drama surrounding that guy right now. Do you think he'll renew? What's going on? Well So I,
3: thinking... I don't know.
2: Sorry, I go, go go ahead, ahead, Green. Go ahead, dude. All right, sure. Um, I don't know enough about the, the situation. I, know, I think he's got around six months left on his contract and he's yet to renew, right? Mm-hmm, something like that, yeah. I, I really see. I think Dybala's in love with the club. I, I, I think he's made it abundantly clear that he's looking to kind of be the next Del Piero. He wants to be the next big thing at Juve. I don't think is looking for a way out. And I also think that Max rates him really highly. I think one of the first points we made when Allegri came back as as Juve's manager was that he's going to bring the best out of Dybala so to be honest I see him renewing I see him staying on. now probably there are some WhatsApp texts that will show something different going on mm-hmm. behind the scenes but personally the the, the, mm-hmm. the kind of inkling I get is that he's going to stay on and, and he'll become a legend at the club
3: yeah I, I was going to say the same thing I think I think that at the end of the day he's going to stay on and uh i mean, all only have to do is try put yourself in his shoes and try to understand his position you know, it's maybe as a Juve fan, it's much more frustrating, not knowing whether he's going to stay or not. You know, similar to the situations mm-hmm. we have with Kessia and with Perisic and Brozovic.
0: It's a trend nowadays.
3: But um, for him, you can, you can definitely understand his, his perspective. From one end, he might say, you know, he loves the club, but um, maybe he's not as interested in staying if they don't make the Champions League. Maybe he wasn't mm. interested in the direction the club was taking in the first half of the season. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, he wanted to wait till the end to to know what all his options were. I mean, definitely now, uh, if he had to sign before the transfer window and after, there's a it's a completely different Juve team, completely different yeah. strategy, completely different goals. Whereas before, I think they were still saying, you know, getting Champions League is still our priority. Now they'd be, uh, you know, they'd be per- underperforming if they... Don't exactly Champions yeah that's, league, true, don't that's true even try
2: to get as many points as possible to potentially have a little mm-hmm. of a title challenge mm-hmm. at the end well they're there now man they're they're fucking there they're two points ahead of atalanta but yeah. obviously atalanta have that game in hand but they looked fucking good man they looked mm-hmm. really good and obviously um as we mentioned Vlaovic is the best striker in the league arguably alongside the mobler he brought the best out of the he He brought the best out of Morata he changed the Uve team just in one game but I also really want to highlight Zakaria man Zakaria was fucking insane he had four interceptions and I remember really noticing the he's so good at reading the game he almost always knows what their, what his opponent is gonna do instantly and and he's he's got the mental ability he's he's got the strength he's got the passing he's a complete midfielder in my opinion mm-hmm. um now he only played 80 minutes in the minutes. like i said he had four interceptions he had an 86 percent pass success rate and he even got a gold man like mm-hmm. the goal was just the cherry on top of the cake because he would have had a great performance without it for sure he logical. got he got subbed out after 80 minutes because he took a blow to his lower back but <laughs> apparently He'll be back for the Sassuolo game today. Um, it's today, Thursday, no, no tomorrow. tomorrow yeah. He'll be back for the game on on Thursday. And one thing I really like to see is obviously McKenny was benched and Zakaria played instead of him. Mm-hmm. When Zakaria scored, you, you, did you see McKenny's reaction? He looked like
0: a schoolgirl, man. Exactly, exactly.
2: Is he really like? I wouldn't be happy for him, but if I were McKenny and Zakaria started instead of me and he got a goal, like okay, I'd be like. I don't know, maybe 40% happy for him, but then 60% is going to say, all right, man, he's going to take my
0: place in the team and I'm
2: going to end up being on the bench or being sold away. Would you be happy for him if you were McKenny?
0: I mean, uh, you you know, I would think, yes, I I hope so. (laughs) You know, I hope I'm a good person, essentially. But, um, you know, nowadays there are so many fixtures and everything is so tightly packed that they're both going to get their opportunities. There's the Coppa Italia, the Champions League, the league mm. itself, you mm. know, plus not to mention that it doesn't necessarily need to be Zakaria or McKennie who, who plays, you know, they could both play. There's Rabiot as mm. well who can be who can be replaced by one of them. That's so, true. So at the end of the day, yes, I, I don't see why he shouldn't be happy for him. And I mean, mm. I'm sure they, they
3: speak, you know, in the club and Allegri is very, very vocal about... Mm. Um, how he sees them fitting in the club I Mm -hmm. mean at the end of the day they're playing for Juventus whose ambitions aren't to you know just play in the league they they want to compete in the league they want to compete in the Coppa Italia they want to compete in the Champions League so you know Mm -hmm. we're speaking about uh, 45 plus games a season minimum
2: exactly that's That's true that's true and um I, I mean at the end of the day some some good squad rotation as as, as mm. you said so we could see Zakaria could be seeing McKennie who have both proved to be kind of those goal scoring midfielders.
0: Um I want to point so. out before before we move on um about Vlaovic. He had a very good performance and he was working tirelessly to begin with but I do feel like he exhausted himself pretty early on and towards the later part of the game struggled to involve himself simply because of fatigue at yeah. points there were balls coming towards him and he didn't seem like sharp enough to get to them of course that'll that'll fade as he gets used to the team as he gets used to the pressure he gets used to managing exactly. his um, his energy as well a little bit he was he was very eager and i don't blame him and what a start for him what a start as a striker you want to score as soon as possible we saw it for example mm-hmm. the fiorentina game with cabral he was dying for a goal um uh-huh. Vlaovic got it and he can relax now he has two two more games where he can like he has no pressure on him that's true.
2: Uh, I saw uh, the the commentator said that apparently Allegri was keeping a close eye on on Vlaovic's fitness throughout the game. Um, apparently that's the only main concern he has about Vlaovic. He thinks he's a complete striker, obviously. Um, but he is slightly concerned about his about his fitness, so he's going to be keeping an eye out on that. But I think, like you said, that over eagerness would cause him to sprint on a couple of on a couple of occasions where maybe he should take it a bit easy. Um. And yeah, just over-involve himself when in reality he'd be doing a fine job as is. But uh-huh, I think it was a perfect start for Vlaovic But like you said, he did kind of dip in those last twenty minutes. Exactly,
3: and I mean Zakaria on the other end must be you know thanking his lucky stars after these last few games that he chose to go to Juve and not not Manchester United, <laughs> as was <what laughs> exactly <they> rumored.
2: <laughs> for sure I'm gonna I'm gonna shift my focus a bit to Hellas Verona just, just for a second just go over them slightly so in my opinion Hellas didn't have a bad game but they simply got outplayed Juve mm-hmm. were faster stronger more clinical overall just much the better side they managed to get 13 shots away Hellas and mm-hmm. um, they're very disappointing attempts you know what I mean they were dispossessed a total of 20 times as well
0: Barak was dispossessed six Barak was was quite bad this game, man, and and typically I was expecting more from him. And to be honest, it was just, you know, you look at their stats, these guys, you know, Lasagna lost the ball three times, Tameza three times, Barak six times, Um, Lazovic lost the ball as well, Veloso three times, the Pauli twice.
3: Veloso quite underperformed, I think. Yeah, many of these guys,
0: particularly, exactly, Veloso and Barak, I would say. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, now, as soon as I heard that Caprari was unavailable, I made the assumption that Nikola Kalinic was going mm. fi- to fit in instead of him. Uh, well, not Caprari, but rather Simeone, my apologies. Um, yeah. But it was Kevin Lasagna who started the match as a striker. Now, Kalinic came on at the 71st minute to replace Barak and had zero impact. But I was surprised to hear that he was released off his contract moments after the match. What the fuck happened there? He's no longer a Verona player.
0: I don't know, man. He has problems when it comes to attitude. That guy. You don't remember during the the World Cup? Croatia, yeah, Croatia, Croatia sent show. him home. He was the only player that got sent home that World Cup. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's a fucking weird one, man. Because he's obviously like clearly their second best striker. Like you're not gonna.
0: He's good, now, he was having a good season. And, yeah. He was having a yes, man. Good
2: season. Yes, yes. yes. I, I have him. I, I know Fersant because I have him on Fanta, and I remember <laughs> he scored a brace in yeah. one of the games just before Simeone broke out. Um, but he also picked up a goal in the last match before this game. Like, he's he's not bad. He's a good guy to kind of plug in as a replacement. But mm-hmm. to release him off his contract, that's a fucking weird one. I have no idea what happened there, man. Yeah,
3: I don't know. It gives me it gives me a lot of... I don't know if you guys remember, but Osvaldo vibes.
2: Oh, yes. Oh, my <laughs> God, The guy Osvaldo, who left football the for, a, legend for
3: music. With less style, dude. It's like Osvaldo <laughs> with less style. <laughs>
2: Oh my god, Osvaldo, what a memory, man.
0: Osvaldo said that he loves barbecue too much to be a professional football player. <laughs> <laughs> what of all things the thing. love in the world. Like a you being passionate about barbecue. Oh, South <laughs> Americans, man. Barbecue is massive in South America, particularly oh, but in Brazil and Imagine being a Argentina. professional
3: footballer, just like being in the Serie a and clubs want you and you're scoring like crazy goals. I remember he had this half-volleyer. It was like a bicycle. Bro, career. he had a couple of
2: overhead kicks, Osvaldo. I remember that.
3: And it's just like you know all these clubs want you they they want to pay you a lot of money and you're just there like I'm going to save this moment I'm just going <laughs> to I want mm. to start playing music or yeah I just want uh-huh. to play the
0: guitar and eat ribs man
3: <laughs> exactly fair play
0: fair guy... play to him dude fuck that's a weed. man this guy should
2: this guy should go to riviera every <laughs> every now and then just take a barbecue play some guitar he'll fit right in um Just should move on <laughs> To move on, Juve are now fourth. They're two points ahead of Atalanta, who have a game in hand. And they play them this weekend. What a time to have COVID. <laughs> Hellas are in ninth. On the other hand, they're on 33 points, kind of fighting their way to... I, I think Hellas' main goal would be not to drop back behind 10th. I think 10th upwards is where Hellas will be aiming for. I think that would be their main their main goal for this season. Mm-hmm. I don't think Europe would be a realistic goal.
0: I think them. they'll try. they'll they'll, they'll definitely
2: try they don't have a loser mentality like i do but (laughs) is is it worth trying
1: (laughs) i
3: mean there's six there's six points of the nearest european space uh i mean it's going to be hotly contested between you know roma lazio atalanta now dropped out of the champions league spots and there's also fiorentina who who holds that (laughs) game in hand
0: so can we, can we just say, mm-hmm. man, how, how tight and nice it is in Italy? You know, we have the a three-horse wow. race at the top. The European spots sure, yeah, are all contested. Too. At the bottom, Beautiful. you know, the relegation battle is is so interesting as well. Salernitana basically changing their entire team halfway through the season. Um, while in the Premier League, you know, horrible things are happening, man. We, we, can,
3: we, can, we, can, we can clip this, you know. We can just have Jake just, just say, you know, how nice and tight it is. Exactly. And, and like, <laughs> <laughs> Load it too. <laughs> you can plug in your Instagram and TikTok. <laughs> exactly.
2: Meanwhile Zoom is being
0: fucking cats across his living room fucking <laughs>
2: <laughs> It's it's hilarious when you compare. So last place in in, in um in the Premier League there's Newcastle and then last place and say yeah there's Salernitana. Just compare their budgets. Compare. <laughs> last,
3: I to, the last election, dropped the last. I thought they beat Everton in their last game.
2: New, Newcastle were last a couple of weeks ago. Last I checked, I can check. And then they to be bought honest. a new team. Um, yeah.
0: People, same like, same as Salernitana. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> no, Burnley are lost in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, hello yeah, and welcome closed. to Premier League Spotlight.
3: <laughs> where, where are in Newcastle though. Newcastle. they were in they were in the. You know, in, rele- in a relegation battle. I mean, they were like 18th or something like that. Yeah, 17th. Nah, right now. They're, they, they're just
0: outside of it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, shall we move on? Yes, we shall. So let's hop onto a gondola and go all the way to Venice for Venezia nil, Napoli 2. This is four wins in a row for Napoli. And this is Napoli's first win in Venice since 1947. Um, they ended a 75-year drought. How many times did they play them since then? Not not many times at all, man.
2: Probably twice. Yeah. I don't
3: know. <laughs> I think Venezia in last in this area. Must have been, what, in the in the late 90s? I
0: remember them exactly. definitely being there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check out an article on our website about Venezia by our new writer, Mitul. A very brilliant article. Very it's brilliant. insane.
2: An amazing article. Amazing. It, it's I, I didn't know... 10% of, of what was on this article. It's it's beautifully written. Go have a look, guys. It's on our website.
0: So I'll quickly quickly run you through the play-by-play. In the 59th minute, um, Politano gave in a lovely cross to Ozyman, who scored with a looping header, his first goal um, since his return from his injury. In the 94th minute, Tyrone Buehi got a red card. And then the 99th minute, Petania scored um, after putting Mertens through. Mertens shot on goal. And the keeper saved it, it fell back to petania and he scored. This was the latest goal in Serie A history in the 99th minute. Jesus. So talking points. Um Koulibaly, Koulibaly, man, is coming back as a champion. Of course, he won the he won Afcon mm, with Senegal. Yeah. Do you think he's gonna be gassed to win the league? No
2: yes yes he, he's got a champ well he already has a champions mentality as is but god knows the confidence he has after winning the african couple mm. nations and lifting it himself man mm. he's he, he'll come back and and napoli will shoot up you know what i mean they're they're already shot up as much as they
0: can be but, but they <laughs> are gonna be doing drugs
3: are you out said. here taking saying that napoli are doing drugs that's why they're doing so well
0: are you yes, are you making well, bro. claim bro making <laughs> <can> claim yes <laughs> uh, fuck it it's, it's crazy by the way Kulibali is such a legend you know there, there's Sadio Mane on that team and he's the captain you know he takes the first penalty in the shootout he's such an animal one of the most underrated defenders <laughs> in of our generation kulibali of course I agree mm-hmm. man I, and, agree. I mean mad respect
3: for him deciding you know to stay at Napoli after of so many rumours year after year is he going to go to City is he going to go to, to PSG yeah. you know mm-hmm. I mean he could still end up transferring to one of these clubs, but he, his heart seems set at, at uh-huh. Napoli. He, he considers himself
2: a Napolitan. He does.
0: He does. And he loves the city. And I'm sure the, the family, people so. of Napoli do as well. Of course. They love him, man. So, do
2: you, do you yeah.
3: think he's going to be their next you know, star star man once, once Insigne leaves? Cool he'll,
0: their he'll, he'll and her he'll be the their captain's captain. armband for sure. Ah,
2: no, Mer- it depends if Merton stays on. Well, well but it's 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 funny because they, the the Curva want Mertens to to be there to be their captain, but it could very much be that that situation where, like Romagnoli and Calabria, the captain's on the bench, so then the vice captain, you know, would would actually be captain because he's starting all the matches. Um. So it could very much be the case. I definitely see
0: Koulibaly being fit for, for captaincy at Napoli. Of course, for yeah. sure. He's the most likely candidate, in my opinion.
3: I mean, there is mm-hmm. an argument for Mertens as well. And I mean, he's gone on the record saying things like uh, he'd love to stay at the club mm-hmm. uh, regardless of the pay. So, And he's working hard to try and you know, get mm-hmm. get that confidence in him for him to be able mm-hmm. to sign a contract extension. So...
0: It was Spalletti who said that um, he's going to have to accept the demands that the club presents to to Mertens. Because in reality, you know, the, he's going to get a paid deduction for sure. Of
2: course, man. 100%. He's not the player he used to no, be. No, and there's Oziman now.
0: That's... There's Ozyman and Petania who are all right. I mean, Petania's all right. Ozyman's amazing. So mm-hmm. so Mertens isn't really a necessity in this team right now. Bro,
2: oh my god. I just says we we forgot to plug in the prediction series. You beat ah, me. Ah yes. Because I'm just remembering how <laughs> you got the exact score. We're terrible man. <laughs> uh, how you got the correct score on this game and it was the latest fucking goal in Serie A history. And 99th minute, petania goal. For did you say 2-0? Yeah,
3: I think mine was I like did. 3-0 or something like that. I thought that mine was
0: bad. 3-0 as well. Can bro. we just say that this week we were all wrong for the majority we of the games? Of I was there spot was on for so two upsets. and completely wrong for the rest, pretty much. Yeah, so you got, you got those so six points, yeah. but I, I mean, got Milan Inter 2 one, spot yeah. on. I was the only one. <laughs> course, I'd like I'd as, think. A, as
3: a side note, if you want to, if you want to. Uh, just tell everyone what, what you were telling me on chat, you know, when I, you asked me to send my predictions and he said, really thinking they're going to win to one. And then he sent me yours with Milan to one. Uh-huh. And he said, you know. <laughs> I was going to say 2-2, two, two, but I want to believe. Exactly. And, so, and you manifested this win.
0: Of course, man. Of course. Of course, of course. <laughs> I was just I feel I like convinced I... myself that we won. And there's nothing, <laughs> nothing I think or do can change the fact that we won and we fucking you won. You were so okay.
2: positive. It was pissing me off because I kind of like getting into this space saying, we are going to lose, we are going to lose. And then like I did this against you know, for the Juve game last year where Milan won 3-0. I did for the Atalanta game where Milan won 2-0 and they got Champions League. And so that's kind of my tactic. If I want Milan to win, I'm just going to say, we're going we're gonna to get fucking smashed, man, in this game. Like, and then you're there overly positive yeah. and I just wanted to punch <laughs> you in the face.
3: But then at the same time, whatever Jake did or whatever Jake was, you know, believing in seems to have just like seeped into Giroud's balls. Fuck it. Just, like, <laughs> fucking right,
0: dude. I'm happy to have influenced Giroud and his glorious testicles. Now, Oof. back to the topic, Venezia and Napoli. Okay? <laughs> so, Napoli kind of dominated this game, to be honest with you. They had, I believe, 60% ball possession. Um, Venezia did not play badly, to be honest. It was 1-0, of course, until the 99th minute. Um, and they had a few dangerous moments with Ocarieke on the counters. There was one in particular that was extremely dangerous. They were, They don't have the facilities to really create much against Napoli so it's a shame that they couldn't take the chances that they created. But finally their tough run of fixtures is over. Let me just read you who they had and to go. play most recently. They had Lazio, Milan, Atalanta, Empoli Inter, and Napoli.
2: That's and the, up. the, the that only game that illegal, that's
0: winnable yeah. there, the Salernitana game, got postponed. Yeah. So, oh so, out from those God. games, from one, two, three, four, five, six games, they got one point in a draw against Tempoli. And they Even played also, very well was, against Lazio, Milan, Atalanta, Inter, you know, they yeah, played yeah. well in these games. I
3: was going to say, you could say it's bad luck as well to to um, that the Salah game got postponed because they've since just, like, you know, transformed their team.
0: Exactly. You're, mm. you're spot on, bro. Like, they have to play my a new God, team. They, they have to deal with Perotti now, man. Uh <laughs> not to deal with Verdi's fucking free kicks, man. No, I think it's, that's the main yeah, point of concern.
3: I mean that being said, do you think out of the teams currently battling against relegation right now, do you think it's 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 fair? Do you think these same teams are gonna be the ones that are potentially gonna go down? Hmm. Do you think Veneto stand a chance?
2: <laughs> I think I think Venecia do stand a chance. I think they do stand a chance. But uh, at the same time, look, I I consider um, Salernitana and Genoa Gunners. Like I know that Genoa are kind of upping their performances. They have a few new players as well, but I think the fact that they're only three points ahead of Salernitana and Salernitana have a game in hand yeah. speaks volumes. I I think I think Genoa and Salernitana are there for the drop. And then, bro, it's it's between Cagliari, Venezia, Samp. To be honest, and Spezia. Yeah, I think now I Spezia. Spezia climbed up the table because they had a three-match winning streak. But you know what I mean? Now they'll probably start losing a couple yeah. here and there again because they were very fortunate in these three games. Um, Cagliari are on the way up. And bro, I'm not too sure about Sampdoria. I know they had a, a, a terrific win. Now 4-0 against Aswalo. whoop de beautiful. Beautiful. Like, but what they were doing before that... It can't be ignored, and that's in their DNA. And I think they might carry that onto future games. But it's, and,
0: it's a new it's, team with a new system and a new coach, man, and new players as well. Now, to be honest with you, you know, I, I can't see them going down with with jump. Don't
2: I? I don't see them going down, especially like you're saying with the new look team. But I also, it would be it'd be silly of us to just consider them safe because they're some Doria. Because it's Serie, a, it's it's the, it's the bottom five. They're all battling it out. Fucking you're seeing what Cagliari are doing. You're seeing what Genoa yeah. are doing. Yeah, they, they, they could turn things around, man. For and sure. it could very much happen. For particularly I mean, it's
3: Cagliari. It's tight. It's it's ridiculously mm. tight at the bottom as well. I'm just seeing here that Venezia are 18th, but they have a game in hand. So if they manage to take points off this game, they'll they'll you know go ahead of Cagliari. And then Cagliari are back down in the relegation. Exactly. Mm.
0: No, it's crazy, Look, man. The thing it, is it, it's tough to predict. The annoying thing with Spezia is that they can just play for draws from now on because they have enough points mm-hmm. to kind of if they get a few more draws they'll be safe um hopefully it bites them in the ass because i i have to say i, I want to see venezia and say i really like their project um genoa on the other hand i would i would i think genoa do a relegation man they need to get their shit together yeah, yeah, they yeah, can't just start yeah. every year without a team and fucking halfway through, they just make these quick fix solutions, like this, bring these guys in. Mm-hmm. It's not, really, it's not sustainable, manager, man. You know it's I not mean. sustainable, and it's bad for the league to have them around, quite frankly.
2: And, yeah. and how good of a manager is Blessing, where he's turning things around? Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. How good of a manager can he be? How sustainable? He's mother, is
0: that? no gig and press, but anything, anyway. Mm. Would
3: you have had more faith in them under under
2: Shevchenko? Um. Yes, man. To be honest, yes is my answer.
0: Sure, I don't know. I know more
2: about Shevchenko than I do about Blessing, for sure. So that must be, that that could be a bit of bias.
0: Yeah. But uh, I don't know,
2: personally, personally, if I had a football club and they're in the relegation battle. uh, So I'm going to turn the statement into a question. Would you rather sign a manager, a quick fix, that's going to put you up to... 16th place, 17th place and you survive the season but you're in the exact same situation next season or a manager for a longer term project you might get relegated but once you go up you'll be in a much better situation. Which manager would you take? Let's say this is Blessing versus Sheva.
0: Mm, I was going to say that sounds like here against Sheva. <laughs> <laughs> mm, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I mean obviously the main the main objective for these teams is survival from an Mm. economic point of view everything survival is more important than the long-term project for these guys and that's the problem right um so i I guess i would take i would take survival in that situation over the project then maybe maybe try to get a good preseason with maybe a progressive manager the next year
2: yeah i can't help but disagree with you there man now i like i know that very much the worst case scenario when football is getting relegated but i would take a season of relegation to ensure mid table football in this area the following season you know what i mean
0: but you're not even guaranteed promotion it's quite tough to no get you're promoted. Not guaranteed you have two promotion. spots guaranteed I mean, then you have the playoffs which are a bitch i
2: very much created a hypothetical world here and and, and which one would you <laughs> which one would you take you know what i mean so cuz i mean they're risking as well the technicalities
3: uh, like like in the case of what happens to many teams who get relegated or many teams who are, you know, around relegation, they just seem to be signing a lot of players on short-term contracts, mm. you know, there's, mm. there's, in, for, for at least some of the teams, there isn't generally that much of a long-term project, like Jake is saying, they're, they're fighting for survival. And so, mm. once they get relegated, you know, it's just, uh, they, they, they tend to, you know, have to lose their whole team, they have to try and rebuild with, in a lower league mm. with a lower reputation and a lower budget. So Mm -hmm. everything goes goes askew, but at the same time, I get it. Like I I I would prefer Venezia staying in the league. I understand your point from a league perspective. That I would prefer teams like Venezia staying, because although they're they're still weak and they're behind a lot of the other teams who've been there for a number of years, they seem to have set some foundations in place Mm -hmm. and plugged and plugged Mm -hmm. the gaps with some stop gaps. Whereas Genoa seem to be year on year. Trying to sign whoever
0: uh, That's true. is available. To try and keep up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think we should get back on topic with Venezia and Napoli. This game, in particular, there were two things I wanted to mention. Um, one about Ozzyman being back. It's great that he found the goal, but he's no—he's not looking anywhere as sharp as he was, of course, at the start of the season. Do you think he'll get back to his um, his peak this year? Do you think he's been through too much this year, and he needs another season to like start again?
2: no i i don't think it'll take him until next season to find his full form again i think it'll take him a couple of match days maybe i think in in 3 to 4 match days we'll see Ozyman back where he was um i think it's 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 a matter of of you know sports psychology just getting back into that getting back into that groove getting back into that confidence yeah. you know one thing i always credited Ozzyman for was for going into those 50-50s like there's no tomorrow. There's no way that that's not impacting him nowadays. I know Spalletti said it's mm. not impacting him, but yeah, it is. The, yeah. the fucker broke his face. You know what I mean? Screenyard like, broke his face. Tough... <laughs> Screenyard broke his face, which is <laughs> even scarier. Like, So it'll take him some time, maybe three to five match days, but I think he'll, he will find his
0: groove again. Yeah. What do you think, Green?
2: No, I think he's definitely on
3: on track. To start, you know, putting up the numbers he was he was yeah. putting up before. Maybe again, like Matt saying, not at the same rate, mm-hmm. but but I, I think he's he's on track to to make a comeback. Yeah. I
0: think I think had he not had any injuries or the COVID problems or anything, he could have been competing with Immobile and Vlaovic at the top this year.
2: Oh yes, definitely, definitely. Especially with the, I I don't think it's only an Oziman problem. I think it's an Napoli problem. I think the fact that. Napoli kind of fell off halfway through the season. You know they were first by by a by a good amount. They were they were by a landslide the best team in Italy at the time. Um, so I think the fact that they had those injuries and they had the African Cup of Nations and they slipped off that impacted Doziman as well as the team. It impacted his numbers, I would say. Sure, sure, definitely.
3: Did he did he go with with Nigeria? He
2: didn't. He didn't. No, because he broke his face. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, maybe <laughs> went up anyway. But I mean, that's he, what he, could, he could have, he could have because he recovered in time for mm-hmm. it, yeah. Um, but he didn't, he chose yeah. not to, or they chose not to. In fact,
0: um, there are many angry Nigerians on Twitter. So, <laughs> Petania had 28 league goals and two assists for Spal in two seasons. Do you remember that? Yep. Since yes, joining Napoli monster. in two thousand and twenty, he's had seven goals and three assists in only eleven starts. He does come off the bench quite often though. Um, how does Petania's future look to you? Is this like the highest point of his career? Do you think there's another step left in him?
2: Oh, that's such a good question.
0: Thank you, man. I think the
2: height I think the height of his the height of his career would be like at Atalanta when he finally made that big move, and he was starting a lot of games. With Papu Um, Gomez. He was like best fucking friends with Papu Gomez. They're like, they look like Laurie and Hardy when they (laughs) come back together. (laughs) Um, And I still think there's one big move left for him. I think he will need to make a step down before making another step up rather than making a lateral move at the top. So I think we might see him join a I don't know, man, fucking a Fiorentina or, or someone like that before taking another step up to one of the upper tier teams. But mm. I don't see him starting at, at any of the top four, five, six or seven. Mm. But I do see him starting for, for teams like Fiorentina, definitely. Yeah. Mm. I
3: think I think it's a matter of the system as well, because he's a very particular player. He's not like, you know, uh, Vlahovic or, or someone like, uh, you know, Immobile. He's... he's he needs a system in place which is very focused about having either fast and pacey wingers. So like we were saying, I think it's more the system that uh, Petania will need to pick clearly because uh, he's not a player like ozimen or Mertens or mm. Vlahovic or chiro mm. Mobile. It's a very specific type of player. He's the type of player that you'd want, you know, either with his back to goal, uh, acting as a target man and have some pacey wingers uh, or wingers cutting inside and he can lay the ball off to them or, or and hold up the play or he's that type of player that it would want you know moving into the box and attracting crosses which he can head in head into the box which I think none of the top teams at the moment you know the, the team's changing for Champions League places are using that type of player right now there might That's be an true. argument that he can act as a backup to Zeko but mm. uh, I think Zaco fulfills some diff- a bit of a different role as well in the team.
0: For sure, for sure, it's de- he's definitely a niche type of player. Um, I-, I don't see him getting a greater move than this in his career. But strikers of his nature do tend to peak quite late. So, yeah. so we'll see. We'll see. If you
3: think, it. if you harken back to Luca Toni, yep. he's he's definitely one we can refer to. You know, he was top scorer. I mean, he must he was top scorer in his twenties with Fiorentina. Uh, made them you know had made the move to Bayern Munich and then uh, was top scorer again with with Hellas Verona, yeah, so maybe that might be know. a move he might want to make you know head over to Hellas <laughs> maybe he'll be what they need to lift them into the European places. Yeah, they have yeah.
0: a they have a vacancy now, of course. Yeah. <laughs> mm, that's true. Literally, <laughs> so Green, you need you need to go, right?
3: Yeah, unfortunately, I have to I have to head off. I mean, it was great, and thank you for having me. How was it? How uh, did you find it? I found it. I found it very fun. It's always fun to speak about football and speak about football with like-minded people. Yeah. I think that you know I fulfilled my role in this <laughs> this edition of the podcast where you basically got me on to humiliate That's me. <laughs> <the word>. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you know I lost the bet that if if Inter lose, I have to come on the podcast and <laughs> and speak about the match without feeling like
0: I want to. You know. Is there, any, is there anything you'd like to plug, PwC maybe? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if
3: you want, I can plug your other page because oh, you yes. seem to be running uh, many social media accounts. My unofficial official page.
0: Exactly. Luke Grima official on Instagram. You can follow it for Luke Grima memes. He's a very loved person at work and in his friends group. Um, and I'm sure by your family as well that I do not know much about. <laughs> and an incredibly
2: talented accountant as well, no? Yeah, exactly.
0: We're accountant. <laughs> now, let's not, <laughs> not get into accountant. That. <laughs> Not an accountant, but... <laughs>
2: we, can, yeah, we can just say I'm an accountant. Inter fan. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Thank exactly. You.
0: I'm, just, I'm just that Inter fan. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you very much. Green will definitely have you on again in the near future. Thanks, dude. Okay. okay. Thank you, brother. Enjoy the rest of the point. Have a good Thank one, you, bro. Ciao, ciao. Cheers, man. Cheers. So,
2: where do we where do we kick it off now that he's gone?
0: So, okay. Um... Of course, Venezia. We can just continue from here. Um, there, it was always going to be a tough ask for them to get something out of this game. I think they put in a respectable performance. They even got close to equalising on a few occasions, but were unlucky, of course, not to. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, uh, they have an easier run coming up. I believe they have Torino, Genoa, Verona, Sassuolo, Lazio. Not exactly easy, but certainly easier mm-hmm. than the run that they had been on. So let's hope they can pick uh-huh. up a few points over there. Shall we? Ah, yes, the table. Of course, I'll just whip that out very quickly. Um, Napoli currently stand in second place with fifty-two points, um, on par with Milan, while Venezia are currently in eighteenth with eighteen points. Um, So just two points off of safety. No problem. No problem. Go for
2: it. <laughs> so the next game we're going to be covering is Atalanta one, Cagliari two. So definitely the biggest upset we've had this time around the match day twenty four. So Atalanta were coming off two impressive draws against Inter and Lazio. Now I say impressive draws because they were basically facing facing the biggest injury crisis they've had in years. Um, they're essentially back in full flow for this match, um, and they faced relegation battlers Cagliari, who were missing Pedro, Balde, Zappa. Rog, Strutman, Valukovic, Cheter, Altare and Cavuoti. So the tables really have turned here. They're facing Cagliari who didn't even have a striker to play this match. And they ended up playing Gaston Pereiro up front. Cagliari were also coming off an impressive 1-1 (laughs) draw to Fiorentina and had won three of their last four Serie A games against Atalanta. So very interesting matchup over here. Normally you'd bet on Atalanta to win, but obviously taking all these things into consideration, who the fuck knows? (laughs) So for the play-by-play in the first half, things were seeming pretty good for Atalanta. Obviously they didn't get that goal that they needed, but they were kind of controlling the game and they they were doing bits. Basically, you know, their their team was in full flow. But in the 50th minute, Pereira put the ball past Musso after Atalanta's defense was caught napping when Dalber whipped the ball into the box from distance. that looked like it should have been picked up by Palomino, to be honest, mm-hmm, but yes. it, it, it it wasn't. Um, Var also checked for a handball, but nothing was given. And Pereiro managed to get a goal as as the acting striker, basically. Two minutes later, Pereiro found himself clean through on goal after Jim City failed to control a simple pass from his teammate. Musso rushed out of the box and took the player down, resulting in a free kick and a red card. Personally, I thought Musso got the ball but you know it wasn't a hand a
0: handball it wasn't because he handled the ball outside the area yeah. i believe the shot hit left arm no outside the area
2: interesting when there was the replay i was looking at the keeper's feet interesting and i saw that he got the ball first and then followed through with his legs but if you're saying it's a handball yeah, i think it, very was much a hand be. it makes more and sense. that's the last man as the last man that would naturally result exactly. in a red card um, so Pasalic went off and they brought on their substitute keeper, Rossi. Um, and a couple of minutes later, as well, in the 64th minute, Palomino headed in from close range after Zapata's shot was saved by Cranio. That was his first goal of the season and plus three for my Fanta. And four <laughs> minutes later, in the 68th minute, Pereiro backed the second goal of the night after some great work by Bellanova. I can't stop thinking about Ballanova, He's so good. He outpaced Male in incredible fashion he crossed the ball low and hard exactly to Pereiro, and Pereiro managed to slot the ball in so he went off injured poor,
0: poor guy Bellanova he played really Bellanova, well I went right? off injured yeah
2: he had a fucking good game man he, <laughs> he's he's been pivotal for Cagliari, I feel he's been really um, good since
0: returning to Italy please
2: facts um What went wrong for Atalanta? Because obviously Cagliari had half a squad playing, they didn't even have Mm -hmm. a single striker, they're facing relegation, and Atalanta were fourth, flying high, getting two draws, when, you know, they they barely Mm -hmm. had players to to field. What happened, man? Is it that they were playing four at the back?
0: It's a weird one, because on paper it's a four at the back. But when you watch them, it's not really a four at the back, is it? You have Miners or (laughs) Froehler. dropping in deep, the wing-backs advancing, and all of a sudden you have three at the back formation again. You have the likes of Pasalic, Pessina, and Malinowski, who are all quite similar behind Muriel over there. And um, Muriel, who sometimes doesn't always perform as a starter. You Mm -hmm. know, he he tends to thrive coming on when everyone around him is kind of, you know, tired and he's fresh and he can beat them with his, like, bursts and acceleration and all that shit. Exactly. the main problem I see over here is, first of all, the red card. Of course, mm. that goes without saying. Second of all, mm-hmm. the lack of options for for Atalanta right now. They brought on Boga, who hasn't had time to adapt yet. They brought on Mahila, who hasn't had time to adapt yet. And the, the next sub they made was Mele, you know? So in reality, they don't really have many options off the bench. They brought on Duvan Zapata, and similarly to the whole Gossen situation, He got injured and went off again. Mm -hmm. You know, Gossens was extremely pissed with Atalanta for mishandling him when he was injured and actually them forcing him to play aggravated his injury and that's part of the reason he actually left to go to winter. The same thing happened with Duvan Zapata. You know, you have to take care of your players. Don't rush them. Don't rush them. I understand that you need a win here, but you don't rush Duvan Zapata back. He's so important to your team. You know, absolutely,
2: man. And- Absolutely. I, I think that, that aside from this, um I spoke a bit about having four at the back for Atalanta. I think Jim City was fucking horsewank in this game, man. <laughs> I think Jim City was terrible. And and I'm not only talking about the ball that he miscontrolled, but he just te- seemed a step behind the play the entire time. You know what I mean? I, I feel like he found it difficult to keep up with the momentum that Cagliari were throwing in the second half. What do you think?
0: I th- I thought he was better in the air than he was on the ground, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like every time is. he gets in an aerial duel, he seems to win it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yes, I I do think he wasn't fantastic and, and they certainly missed Demiral. Um, mm-hmm. Did Dalbert play? As- he started as a striker, right? Dalbert? Yeah, Dalbert started as a striker alongside Pereira this game, I think.
2: I think Pereira was the sole striker. Well, he must have played behind behind Pereira, just yeah. behind Pereira. It's
0: out of position regardless because Lico Jonas was on the left and that's where Dalbert mm-hmm. typically plays. Um but very interesting to see Mazzari um pulling out a rabbit out of the hat out of nowhere, you know, uh, without Joao yeah, Pedro. Man. And and Guston Pereiro, what a game. Two goals and he I got he was the so. one who got Musso sent off too. So what a game from, from mm-hmm. him. I didn't think he had no, he, he had this in his locker. The,
2: the, the victory was was up to Pereiro. I mean, he had big boots, very big boots to fill in um, uh, João Pedro, big boots to fill in Keita Balde as well. And he did a fantastic job. man. the guy normally plays out wide, so it's no easy task to just throw him in as, as the main focal point striker. And I think he did a great job of that. but obviously, I mean, what more could you... Like, you normally just ask for a single goal. But the guy got two goals, and he got their keeper sent off as well. Yeah. So definitely a man of the match performance for Pereira. I think he was excellent, and I think he's found himself a new role as well. I think he might be plugged in there a bit more often.
0: Sure, sure. And they have Kate <laughs> there, um back now as well. So definitely mm-hmm. a few interesting options for for Cagliari. Well, they
2: they they paid ten million for him back in twenty twenty. So Pereira, it, it was due. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was due for him to step up.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, where did he come from? Do you know the team he was with before? Um, I knew this yesterday when I was
2: doing my prep, but I forgot. Let me just look that up really quick. Sure, so Gaston no Guerrero we're talking about.
0: Yes, he played Boston a really market,
2: good game. Obviously, Not an insane game, man. He was brilliant. Um, so he joined from PSV Eindhoven. He joined from PSV Eindhoven in January of 2020, actually on transfer deadline day. And they signed
0: him for 10 million. Mm, nice. OK, a good coup by them. Um, it has no, to I be said think. as well that um, the the guy they played at the back, Cagliari, 19 year old Robert without the R, Obert, <laughs> played pretty well <laughs> and great. even Lovato played well. And these guys Lovato are, very good are 19 and 21 res- respectively, like pretty good. And Goldenigger as well came in and did a, did a great job. Mm-hmm
2: things are definitely looking better for Cagliari and they're out of that relegation zone now that definitely doesn't mean that they're out of out of the danger zone but they definitely they're definitely looking better than they were I think they dominated the second half I think they were much better at the second half they did a fantastic job at keeping their shape whilst going forward and staying disciplined at the same time so they didn't leave space for Atalanta to really counter attack and catch them off guard I think their are a midfielder of Grassi, Marin, and they all are really good. They both, they, they, all put in tackles and drove the ball forward well. They drove the ball to the wings really well as well. And Then the wings were able to to involve uh, Pereira in the game very quickly. And I think Cagliari just hit the nail on the head in this one, man. It was they no easy task. playing on. Atalanta, who are in fucking in you know, pretty much full flow, man. In Bergamo as well. Yeah. And an incredible, incredible win for Cagliari. This might be... Apart from, you know, Spezia, Milan and a couple of other games in in the past, I think it's one of the biggest upsets we'll see this season.
0: Yes, yes, for sure. I have to agree with you here. Everyone thought that this was going to be a 3-0, an easy 3-0 for Atalanta with a Muriel brace in the first 15 minutes, you know, the type of game. But it it totally was not the case. They They did very well here. Mm. Exactly. Anything else? Atalanta
2: Atalanta are now so so very on opposite ends of the spectrum. So Atalanta are now out of the Champions League yeah, zone, out of the top four. They're two points behind Juve but have a game in hand. Cagliari, on the other hand, are now out of the relegation zone, and they're two points ahead of Venezia, but Venezia have that game in hand as well. So mirroring each other at each
0: end of the table. Definitely. Interesting. So, the next game was between Fiorentina and Lazio, which ended 3-0 to Lazio. Um, My God, f- I was
2: not expecting that, man. Me neither.
0: <laughs> the first thing I saw when tuning into this game was a young gentleman holding up a sign which read, Who needs Vlaovic? Um, Fiorentina could, <laughs> could use him, to be honest. Hey, it would it be a bad shout. <laughs> um, this was not, of course, what the Fiorentina fans <laughs> wanted to see after losing Dusan, his impact His immediate impact for Juventus was basically Salt in Fiorentina's three open wounds. Um, Lazio have leapfrogged Fiorentina on the table, ending La Viola's seven-game unbeaten streak at home and drawing level-on points with their city rivals Roma in the process. So this was a big game for Lazio. Mm -hmm. Very success. (laughs) The play-by-play very quickly. In the 52nd minute, um, a perfect defence-splitting ball by Zaccani came through to Sergei Melinkovich savic who um, put the ball in the back of the net, of course. The defenders were left as mere bystanders at this point, particularly Melinkovich and Biragi It was played right between them. They had no idea who should um, take responsibility for the ball. And they just, you know, bystanders, literally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a VAR review um, for... For Fiorentina later on, when Castrovilli ran into Luis Felipe, but it was deemed to not be a penalty. In the 70th minute, Immobilis scored as the ball came over the top. He was clean through, and just like that, boom! He's so reliable in 1v1 situations. Nastasic was particularly slow here, it has to be said. He looked like True. he could not keep up with Immobile whatsoever. In the 81st minute, Biragi scored an own goal It was a very similar situation where a ball over the top came to Immobile and Nastasic didn't even bother running this time. He was like jogging. <laughs> um, Ciro rounded the goalkeeper and placed it and Biragi got a touch to it on the way in and it, and it went. in. To be honest, Biragi could have done a little bit better there. Yeah, but yes, in the 85th it. minute, Torreira started calling the referee a motherfucker and got sent off. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he was fouled. <laughs> That's fouling. exactly what like, happened. Literally, though. he was swearing at it. Like, he was like, ah! <laughs> 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 But he got sent off and it pretty much summed up Fiorentina's entire performance. 3-0 to Lazio. So I'm going to start off by asking the most obvious question of them all, bro. Would Vlaovic have made the difference to the outcome of this game?
2: Yes, it would be, well, definitely he'd make an impact because he's he probably would have put himself in certain situations that Cabral, just not knowing the team as well as Vlaovic did, he, he Vlaovic would have put himself in certain situations that could have potentially put Fiorentina ahead on, on a couple of occasions. So um, And the way he used to drive the ball forward. So it's definitely a, a huge loss for Fiorentina. They lost the top scorer in the league and it's, hard to recover both on the pitch and both mentally for the players as mm-hmm. well. So, Hon and Sotil looking up and not seeing Lovic, that will impact them slightly. They have this new guy, Cabral, that's, like, over legal Pass, 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 pass! So doing that every, <laughs> so doing eager, that every so minute, eager. you know what I mean? So, it's it's unsettling times for Fiorentina at the moment. Um, they just need to get used to the new system, having a big boy like Cabral up front. He doesn't exactly have yeah. pace about him. He's, he's more of a guy you need to feed. So, Kai Haunt's going to need to work on his crosses, and they might want to plug in Saponara
0: even more often. I totally agree with that. Vlade which particularly loved Saponara, as I always mentioned, he used to call him il professore del calcio or some shit mm-hmm. like that in Italian, which basically means the professor of football because of his massive, mm-hmm. massive, massive footballing brain. Um, you didn't tell
2: the viewers that that I got you. Oh a, yes, of course. Uh, Saponara kit. Uh,
0: Matty got me a Saponara kit for my birthday, Fiorentina number eight. Love it, love it, love it. If we ever start doing video, I'll wear it every now and then. Why not? No, for sure. No. Um, we will do video. We will do video. Vlaovic could maybe like I don't think he would have changed the outcome of this game at all. I think this game was was lost, regardless of Vlaovic or Cabral were playing. But maybe Vlaovic would have converted the Cabral header that he got early on. But he might have done better. Vlaovic is one of the best in those situations. But I have to say Cabral looks very promising. He looks he looks fucking pumped, man. You know, someone make him a sandwich uh-huh. like he's starving. But the quicker <laughs> He, he, he gets... does
2: he does look pumped. I just hope he, he can convert. You know what I mean? We've seen him convert in, in wherever else he used to play before. But, but yeah, no, no, not exactly against Lazio But he'll pick up, I'm sure.
0: He will. I'm, I'm pretty sure, too. Um, I just hope he gets his goal <laughs> sooner rather than later, or the pressure is really going to start mounting. Now, the question is, bro, mm. would you start Cabral or Piontek? Apparently, Piontek was out for this game. Um, he took a bit mm-hmm. of a knock. He wasn't 100%. That's the reason why Cabral started. Now, remember, Piontek has already scored for Fiorentina. Would you start Piontek or Cabral in the next one?
2: So, that's such a good question, man. I'm, I'm um, full of them, man. You're full of them today. Um, so, it's it's such a debate because then again, you want to give Cabral as many minutes as possible so that he gets used to the system and he gets used to the league. Because eh? that's, that's the best way that you're going to start getting performances out of him. But then you have Piontek who kind of knows the league already and he he did bits at Genoa and Milan as well. So it's a tough one. I would probably... Oh my God, dude. Oh my God, it's such a tough one. I would probably start Cabral just simply because I want him to get minutes and I want him to become... I think Cabral's ceiling is a bit higher than Piontek's ceiling.
0: So for that
2: reason, I would probably give Cabral as many minutes as possible. What would you do?
0: Um, for the next game, I would probably start Piontek and bring Cabral on in the 60th minute. Look at us disagreeing, huh? Oh, yes. Um, why? Because I here? believe that every spot needs to be earned, and it's not fair that you know you bring Piontek in and he scores and you bench him just because you brought in someone who's more valuable. Who cost more?
2: socialism coming through with you, bro.
0: No, it's it's only (laughs) fair, right? It's only fair to play who's playing better. Now, Cabral will have the opportunity to play better. You know, give him 30 minutes, no problem. And ease him in, no pressure. (laughs) Um, I highly doubt that that's what's going to happen. You know, Cabral was brought in to be the main guy and probably he will start the next game. Mm
2: -hmm. Probably, probably. Okay. I was surprised not to see Ikone starting. I, I thought we'd would see we'd see him start this game, especially against Lazio. I think Ikone has been good coming off the bench mm-hmm. so far for Fiorentina. And I definitely see I think in the next few games we'll start seeing him starting for them. I definitely think he has way more to offer than Cayon. Sure. Surely for sure. Surely.
0: Calle-Hon's one of those annoying players who trains really well. That's why he keeps playing.
2: Ah, but he fits the system. Like, I I get why, because he's tactically intelligent as well. And we've seen that Italiano would rather choose a tactically intelligent player than a naturally gifted player, or a Mm. quick player, or a strong player. Just like he chose Saponara ahead of Sotil and Gonzalez, and like he's choosing Callejon over Sotil as well, and and potentially even Icon in, in the future, moving forward. But I think Icon is going to be one of Serie A's best players, should he get the ground running, man. Should he hit the ground running? Rather, um, I think he'll be one of the best players in the league.
0: Most definitely, man. He was an animal at Lille. He was really good. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was the type of game. This was literally a flawless game by Lazio, and it's crazy because they they have come out with these displays this year. Particularly, for example, the game against Inter, you know. But then they have Mm -hmm. had shockers, exactly. The game against Roma was fantastic by them and then they fight shockers like the one against Bologna for example so Mm -hmm. very very weird the situation they're in like you know you look at Lazio this game and uh, I'd say they're a a top team in the league what a game Mm -hmm. it was The, the midfield was flawless Pedro was really good as usual. Luis Alberto me. was a fucking he was joke driving in this game. How good he was! Well, he was he was a Rolls Royce this game. How he was fucking! I've never driving. seen him drive the ball up
2: like that. He drove well on multiple occasions. Really dragged the ball forward. Normally that's Sergei's role or Leva's role. You know what I mean? And Luis Alberto kind of gives that final pass. Mm-hmm.
0: It's but true. You don't often see him was... driving for that much, right? It was like fuck me, his work rate was that. Less... I've never seen his hair
2: flow like that. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this here is always flowing to be honest with you and he but, played
2: well with Zakani as well there was a little partnership going on there as well two very
0: intelligent players and I think Zakani was fucking great as well man he was he was very good very very good um, this was Immobile's 18th goal of the season tied with Duzan who do you think will go all the way Vlaovic you think Vlaovic I think Immobile I think we've Vlaovic. already had this actually you think Vlaovic and I think Immobile yes so uh-huh. we'll see. and it's good you to see you want to put money on it
2: change our minds.
1: Ooh,
2: how much you, you want to put like an uncomfortable amount like like 50 euro
0: 50 like let's
2: not like let's not put a fiver you know what i mean yeah. people will think we're pussies so <laughs> we fucking
0: some... put up 50. okay okay 50 euro
2: or a kid or a... no a no, kid that, that's too much that's like 80 euro though
0: oh but it is much nicer
2: Oh, let's fucking do a kit dog. Okay, Fuck it. We do a kit. Let's do okay. a kit, a mystery kit. A mystery Nice. Kit. Okay. Okay. So you and heard and it then, here, guys.
0: And then we announce on, on Instagram. We'll put a picture of it when it's done. Okay. Exactly. Nice. I'm excited. All right. Die one Do Zan. You're not talking <laughs> about Zabart, huh, bro? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ah, uh, gambling. Now no. the <laughs> next point I wanted to mention was um Fiorentina's defense. Wow man. Absolutely shambolic. Milinkovic ah, is, is a shadow that. of his former self. Um, hey. Nastasic not the standard. Biragi scores two free kicks in one game, gets sent off in the next, and gets an own goal in the other. Hey, What's, uh, no? He misses. Shocking, uh, he man. misses a penalty actually in the next game. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they were honestly the defense was in shambles, and Italiano can't stop stressing it how how poorly they're playing defensively.
2: In the last game as well, there were multiple individual errors at the back, man. Just giving the ball away. Yeah. Like, I don't get it, man. Um, and you would think that they would have made some signings in January yeah, at the back.
0: To address, the they say, center. no, apparently not. Uh-huh.
2: Apparently Cabral... It and... didn't seem to be a focal point because, you know, Piontek and Cabral, well, they needed to address the whole, you know, Vlaovic and Kokorin situation. Definitely.
0: Um, they have money at yeah, the they, back they now.
2: need to brush up. I think that's the only place Fiorentina are lacking this year. I think they just need a couple of good defenders, man. Um maybe a bit more creativity here and there in the midfield because they do tend to rely on those front three a bit too much. But otherwise, I think I think Fiorentina were overpowered. It, it was very end-to-end the game and it was either I think as soon as Lazio got the second goal, which was kind of against the run of play because I thought Fiorentina were coming back into it. I think there was a slight momentum shift over there, but mm-hmm. as soon as Lazio got the second goal, it was like all right, how many are Lazio going to get? Heads mm-hmm. dip down for Fiorentina, you know what I mean. Lazio looked excited. They've got a, a hell of a lot of players that want to prove themselves. So it it, it went the way it was expected, to be honest.
0: Definitely. Um, I would just bring in a centre-back and the right-back as soon as possible for them. That's probably what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Probably cash in on Milenkovic because he has some value to him and literally replace him with someone someone reliable i don't know i'm not going to give them the advice um drama Ilitare <laughs> against Sari. um allegedly oh allegedly Sarri has given an ultimatum to the director to lotito he told him in june you have to choose between me and ta- or tare basically um tare is the sporting director apparently they have different ambitions you know sorry wants to be more involved in the market tar is telling him to go suck a fuck. What do you think?
1: <laughs> who would who would you
0: if you were Lotito? Who would you kick out? I have no idea,
2: dude. Really? I'm not. I'm, yeah, I I don't I don't know. Um, I don't know enough about about um, uh Altares, uh,
0: no, Eli tares or Eli
2: I don't know enough about Eli you know contributions to the team to to make a decision over Mm -hmm. here naturally I would always normally go for the manager because these guys know the players first hand and they Mm -hmm. need to make all the you know all the tangible decisions but I don't know man maybe if you have more insight you can educate me
0: um unfortunately I, I do not i was gonna say that um it very much depends on how the system plays out and how the mood in the dressing room is we know that there was some drama between Luis alberto and lots you know if it means you know getting rid of tara to keep sorry sorry but you lose three of your top players for example that's not worth it you
2: know mm-hmm. like one thing one thing i don't like is the person that's actually bringing up the ultimatum like, I don't like being put in that situation. Like, if yeah. Sari were to come up to me, let's say I'm the fucking CEO or whatever, and there's Melissa to choose between me and the guy. Like, the first thing I would think of, all right, so Sarri is not a team player. sorry just mm-hmm. wants to get rid of the problems rather than trying to make amends. So that's definitely something that can that can come into play. But I don't know. I, I don't know what they'll do. But, but it'll be interesting to see
0: shape out. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. A rare good game from Patrick, by the way. Um hope. Patrick
2: fantastic assist in that second goal and a mobile go yeah, goal. Really, brilliant. brilliant ball over the top. Spongebob man. wasn't
0: Great bad ball. either. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on because, bro, this brilliant. is gonna be the longest episode in the history it, of podcasts.
2: So let's move over to the other side of Rome as Roma drew to Genoa the score of nil-nil. So it was a nil-nil, sorry, it was a 2-0 away victory in the reverse fixture for Roma who at this point were coming off a two-match winning streak, looking to make it a three-match winning streak for the first time since their opening three matches of the season when Mourinho was just appointed. So, crazy. They, they had the opportunity to, to equal that and they weren't capable of doing so. And this was also Mourinho's 100th match in the Serie A. So, crazy on that end as well. Now, Roma were missing their captain Pellegrini, but that's absolutely no excuse for this embarrassing result, as they still have the legs of Mikitarian and Oliveira to replace him in that role. Genoa were coming off a well and draw versus Udinese, which is no easy feat, as we saw in this match day, which we'll discuss later on. Now, historically, Genoa love beating Roman teams in this area A. Um, they've racked up 32 wins against Roma in their history and 37 against Lazio but they wish they had that against the Milan teams and say, A, but unfortunately for them, it's not the case. So I'll run you through the play-by-play. In the first minute of the match, Damiano David from Maneskin was spotted in the stands supporting his side Roma. It is yet to be confirmed, but the Roma players seem to be confused and asked each other questions like, Why men have such nice eyelid? Why men but pretty face? This man is making me fuori di testa. And last but not least, I want to see this man's Testa. <laughs> Roma seemed out of sorts after this um, and had a couple of opportunities to go ahead with attempts from Zaniolo, Abraham Oliveira, and Smalling getting close but not close enough. In the 68th minute, Ostegard saw Red after wrestling Felix to the ground as the last man. He had his hand around his throat and he literally threw him onto the ground, was incredibly dumb by the new signing, was having a really good match up until this point, man. Mm-hmm. In the ninety third minute, <laughs> Zaniolo scored an absolute wonder goal, man. He took on two to three players and finished from outside the box into the bottom corner with his back towards goal. It was insane. He ran off celebrating with his shirt off and his man bra on, um, only to be interrupted by the referee communicating with the far team. The goal didn't stand, as in the build-up to this goal, Abraham can be seen stepping on an opposition player and dispossessing him illegally. Zaniolo, as a result, walked up to the ref, told him to go fuck himself, and probably to be honest, told him some cruel shit, and he got a red card for that. Yeah. The, the ref pulled out a red card instantly, so I don't think it was a second yellow, I think it was that overboard, that it's like, all right, you can't say that, fuck you, red card. Yeah. So that happened the
0: many moods of nicola zaniolo in five minutes we saw everything Man. we saw him his entire spectrum as a player and as a being we saw it in those five minutes <laughs> what he's capable Literally. of doing his attitude like issues that arise every now and then but yeah. mm-hmm. i'm gonna bring up fanta again because okay. i have zaniolo
2: fanta and the fact that first he got a plus three and i'm like okay fucking right then he got a minus like one because he took his shirt off And then they go to the start. So he's down to a 5.5 and then he gets sent off. So he's down to like a 2.5. I'm like, fuck this man, what a roller coaster. Um, So let me move over to the talking points a little bit, brother. So I'm going to start this one off with a quick would you rather? Mm -hmm. So would you rather watch Roma play football ever? Mm -hmm. Make excuses for Lazio losing forever? or live for a day as Kurt Zuma's cat. <laughs> it's a tough one, man. Choose wisely. So
0: the second option is basically, what do you say, would I rather, would I like make so excuses rather, for Roma
2: every week? No, either watch Roma play football okay. ever, Okay. make excuses for Lazio losing forever, okay. or
0: live for a day as Kurt Zuma's cat. Um, well, the last one is totally out of that. probably the, Ro- <laughs> the Roma one, right? The Roma one, unfortunately, uh, I just—they are not fun to watch. Man They're not year. fun to watch at all. But they have a few players I like. Like I like Zaniolo, I like Mikitarian, So it's not the end of the world. I like Pellegrini and as well. I, I like. Banias. I like what's his name. I, you know, I dislike Mourinho, of course, because of everything he stands for. But at the end of mm-hmm. the day, he's the villain, and I like watching the villain.
2: Uh-huh. It's as simple uh-huh. as that. But- I do think that it's his his style of play that kind of makes them unattractive to watch, man. No, for sure. Like I I do not like I can't stress enough how much I dislike watching Roma play. Like it, it it's not fun. It like there's nothing that flows about them. There isn't smooth passing. It's just like they're trying way too hard from the get-go and they just keep getting dispossessed, you know what I mean? And they're winning the ball back and trying again and getting dispossessed. It's it's, it's not attractive. It's not like Milan who play the ball around and, and you see Salamakers holding the ball up and Calabria uh, overtakes and or like Inter do with Zerko coming back and flicking the ball onto Lausanne. There is no swagger about Roma yeah. whatsoever, man.
0: At all. Zero. I've said this so many times that I'm sick of myself. Like, But they have no game plan, man. You see, this zero, game, they couldn't zero. convert any of their set pieces. Boom, nil-nil against Genoa. Exactly, you know, literally, that's it. Had they-, they got, they got, bro. They had
2: listen to this, they got 23 shots away. 23 shots away, 14 were off target, six were blocked, and three were on target. They had three shots on target only against Genoa. And Siri one of them is goal. probably the Zaniola And that's fucking serious. Genoa had three, bro. So, in this game, not only was it nil nil, but Genoa and Drama had the exact. Same amount of shots on target. Yeah.
1: That,
2: you know what I mean? It's Roma Genoa we're talking about. Yeah. It's a relegation battle team against a Champions League battle team, against a Europa League battle team. Yeah. An absolute mismatch. And for Roma to put in the performance that they did to me was
0: shocking, man. Disastrous. For sure. I, I agree with you, man. There's not much left to say about Roma, to be honest with you, man. They, they need to get creative. That's it. And they have the facilities yeah. i think uh, Mourinho <laughs> needs to give them a bit more freedom uh, you know because mkhitaryan isn't a rigid player Mikitarian is the type of mm-hmm. player who'll see a pass he's creative if you give him a bit of liberty exactly. he can do it zaniolo too you know and even to a certain extent oliveira it's just you know mm-hmm. why are you so rigid why are you limiting these guys exactly yeah but, but man to
2: be honest i don't know it can't be their individuals because they're individuals on paper are fantastic footballers like, like the players you just highlighted now. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like there's a lack of... It, I wouldn't even say it's a lack of motivation because all the players seem like they're trying really hard, mm. man. You know what I it's mean? It's a lack of ideas. Uh, exactly. I, like like you said and like you mm. keep on saying there's, there's no game plan whatsoever. Let me move over to Genoa because at least we've got some good news over mm. here. It's obviously a massive improvement under their third manager of the season. Blessin, obviously he's been doing much better than
0: than Sheva and um,
2: yes. fucking hell. Who was the manager before that? Or am I blanking uh, out?
0: Ballardini.
2: Ballardini. Um, Badel had a great game, bro. Badel five
0: tackles, one is a two highly rated player. I remember Milan were after him at the point. Um, mm. He's a very solid midfielder.
2: He dispossessed the opponents five times in this match, man. He won 2 aerial duels as well, and and the, you know what I mean mm. when when there's a a goal kick that Rui Patricio gives you off and found himself up against Tammy Abraham and he did a good job over there. Just a solid structure in mm-hmm. front of that defence, man. Gives, gives the defence something to rely on. So he did a good job in this game and he's done a good job over the course of the season. Um, now Genoa's next game is against Salernitana as they're looking to get some wins under That's their belt. How do you think this goes, man? Exactly. How do you think it goes? That's
0: a six-pointer. I'm not sure how it goes. I need to see more of Salernitana, man. I don't know, but everything Fiber in my being s- screams um Genoa win. Every fiber in my being says
2: it's gonna be an absolute goal fest like a three two. Like a three like two, even like a three three man. I I see them going crazy in this game because both can struggle defensively. Um normally I wouldn't I wouldn't really give Salernitana the credit of being good going forward, but you know, with with Verdi in the team now scoring goals, it, it might be interesting exactly. to see.
0: You know, Verdi should join Roma, man. Hey, maybe, man maybe they'll, maybe they'll to... score a few mm. more set pieces. Why not? Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
0: Piccoli came on for for Genoa. I, I was hoping it'd start, but of course he needs to be eased into it, as we're saying, uh-huh. like the whole Cabral thing. Um, exactly. Piccoli is an exciting one for them. Also, I found out today, do you know that Portanova's father also played football and he also played for Genoa and for Bologna? Yes, yes. Was he any good? Uh, he, he has Caps, huh? he has Serie Caps, quite a few, um, but he doesn't have an honours section on Wikipedia, so I don't think he's ever won. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I think Portanova's brighter as a player then. <coughs>
2: I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but anyway, I don't think there's much to add in this game whatsoever. move on. A very dull performance by Roma and Genoa managed to hold their own. Roma now find themselves in seventh place, six points away from a Champions League spot. Geno on the other hand are in 19th place and six points away from safety.
0: Yes. And I forgot to mention before the standings for the Fiorentina and Lazio game, of course. Or I might have mentioned them, but not at the end. And basically Fiorentina are eighth with 36 points. Lazio are sixth with 39 points. Um, apologies. Yes. that's I'm, I'm the worst at that. <laughs> <laughs> to Matthew's dismay. Now... The next uh, game okay. took place between Sampdoria and Sassuolo and then did 4-0 to Sampdoria. Massive, not massive gone, victory I. for Gianpaolo and his men. <laughs> now, Sassuolo were haunted by somebody that they used to know as their ex-players <laughs> scored against them. Two ex-players scored against them in Caputo and um, Sensi, actually. But anyway, Sassuolo came into this game undefeated in their last five league games and Sassuolo had only lost one of their previous 10 league games against Sampdoria. So I'm sure many people saw that stat, put a bet and were completely disappointed (laughs) and will hate Sassuolo until the very day they die. Um, play by play very quickly in the fifth minute Caputo scored it was a lovely assist by Kandreva Kandreva the man of the match in my opinion um, in everyone's opinion actually Caputo's yes, um, Ka- goal here is underrated he made that difficult volley look very simple
2: that's uh, bro it was a stunning goal by Caputo stunning
0: goal and he celebrated so passionately goes to show that maybe he wasn't too keen on Sassuolo letting him go um, mm. In the seventh minute, Sensi scored. There was chaos in the box and he got a rebound, basically. In the 63rd minute, another lovely Kandreva cross. And an amazing finish by Andrea Conti, of all people. Um, seems to be finding his footing again. I'm happy for mm-hmm. him. I have a point, actually, to make about Conti and Sensi. I'll get to that very soon. And in the 91st minute, Kandreva scored a Panenka penalty. Um Fun fact about the Panenka penalty. It's named after the Czech attacking midfielder Antonin Panenka, who notably okay. scored the winning penalty at Euro 1976 in the final against West Germany by gently tripping the ball down the middle. And that's where the Panenka was created. Mm. Very interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, basically, bro, I have a theory about Conti and Sensi. The fact that these guys okay. were training with Inter and with Milan right mm. means that we haven't really seen much of them this year but they were training with the best so their training sessions uh-huh. were literally a level above their current training sessions. so these guys were clearly set to thrive in this setting and here they yeah, are and they're sure, thriving yeah. you know they're uh, two goals for each of them, like one goal each, that's that's pretty fucking good. That's a good start. And Sensi looked Mm. really good, and Cassano actually praised him. He said that... um
2: is the best midfielder in the league at the moment. Oh,
0: (laughs) I'm I'm telling you, the only problem Sensi has Mm. in his game, the only flaw, is his injury record. Because other than that, he's a bloody good player. Oh, he's
2: a very
0: good
2: man, Sensi. And I'm glad that we're we're getting to see it at full flow at Sampdoria. And I'm glad we're getting to see that with Conti as well. I mean, what a fucking game by Conti, man. And obviously he's he's picked up two goals for them. Now I'm I'm pretty sure one of them was in the Coppa, but, but mm-hmm. that still counts in my opinion, of course. Um Sampdoria man, and and but but just to go back to the point of of Conti and Sensi, like you said, they've been training with the best man. They would bring something new to training. They would for bring sure. insight. All the players would want to be around them. Oh, what's Lautaro like, man? Yeah. What's Lautan <laughs> like? You know. <laughs> and that 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 would be very popular among the training camps. And they would bring that something new, man. They might not be, you know, star players, but they will be the star
0: players of these teams, man. Yeah, definitely, bro. Um, It's nice seeing Caputo playing with players next to him, <laughs> not in total isolation. Of course, he, he had Sensi behind him and Gabbiadini alongside him. Gabbiadini, poor guy, tore his ACL this game. And that's what prompted the move um, for jo- Jovinko, as we discussed in our intro. Um mm-hmm. do you think Jovinko can have an impact with this team, bro? He's 35 years old. He had 12 goals in 57 games for Al-Hilal more recently. What can he do here?
2: It's it's interesting, man, because one thing one strength he always had at his arsenal was his pace. And does he still have that at 35 years old? Now, aside from that, he was quite an intelligent player. Mm-hmm. He does remind me a bit of Insignia in a more central role, you know what I mean? Like he could really hold the ball back well and kind of provide passes and assists
1: mm.
2: but there will be a bit of ring rust over there and i think it'll be hard for him to settle back in um it'll be interesting to see i, I personally think he'll struggle man
0: i don't know man I, I i look at sensi caputo jovinko that sounds like a bunch of annoying mosquitoes
2: aha uh-huh, but but if if he loses his pace th- then he loses 90 percent of his traits you know what but I he mean? Could,
0: that's always what he was renowned for. But it wasn't his pace more than his, like, ability to insert himself and to accelerate in the tight spaces. I think that that's what it is. Like, he, he's the type of player that can... First of all, he's 35, right? 35? Did we say he's 35? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Which means that he's... Exceptionally seasoned. Now the problem is he's been away from the top league, so he might struggle. He might struggle for sure. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, this is a good player. Huh? This is a player who who knows that, for example, he doesn't have blistering pace anymore. So he's not. He might not try to do that. You know, he might play mm-hmm. the intelligent balls, kind of. You know, hold the play up a little bit. You know, feed Caputo, play it back to Sensi, play it to kandreva You know, things. He has. It. He's set up to succeed here. So we'll we'll see
2: um uh, well if, if for example he, he becomes the rigorista of the team or we know he can hit free kicks as well and, and corners um should he get onto those early then maybe he can get he can get a bit of confidence going on about them and maybe his form can be high um but at 35 years old I, I I see him struggling quite a bit to to make a mark at at some time. and I think the second maybe one of the other guys are fit so Qualiarella or Gabbiadini will be seeing them starting ahead of him. I'm quite sure. Maybe they'll plug him in on as a as a substitute, and maybe he can bring something on to the game, much like Nani does for Venezia, for example. Yeah, a very similar I don't situation. See him. Uh-huh. I don't see him as, as doing much more than that. You know, okay. he definitely won't be their star player.
0: No, no, no. Their star player is Antonio Candreva, and that's the perfect segue. Wow, wow, we wa. Wow. Last week, I I criticized Gianpaolo for playing Candreva as a trequartista. I was like, what the hell is he doing? So. This time he decided to play her even to play him even further back in the three-man midfield, mm-hmm. and to my surprise, he was absolutely incredible. Like, but he was dropping very wide. He, uh, we're course. seeing him
2: quite quite wide. Out. For
0: sure, for sure. Um, he he does dr- for like drift quite wide. But um, this might be now. I know I'm gonna cons- I'm gonna totally, you know, be I'm gonna be hypocrite over here. I'm gonna completely mm. go against what I said last week. But you might be able to make an argument that Kandreva, at his age, playing him more centrally, you get to preserve his energy. You're not wasting all his energy, you know, chasing the ball down the wing. So maybe from a career point Uh of view, like where he is in his career right now, this is the move, you know.
2: Mm -hmm. I mean, we we see it happen very commonly with Fullbacks and wingers like we saw Ronaldo for example starting off as a winger and then maturing into a number nine um we saw van pommel start off as an attacking midfielder and then dropping into a more conservative mm-hmm. midfielder and probably we'll we'll see it happen with Kandreva as well I mean to me, I didn't see an issue with him playing wing back at all mm-hmm. actually i i thought I thought he was. Phenomenal. I I would mistake him
0: for a 27-year-old. One of the best you know I mean. in the league. And he's 34 years old. Exactly. He, he played like a guy in his prime. Definitely. I agree. Exactly. Exactly. But
2: one thing that he does have at his arsenal is he can fucking pass the ball and cross the ball. And this is a position where, where, where he could do that. I wouldn't personally play him as an attacking midfielder. But I think as a central midfielder, he could really... Display his passing, and maybe we could see him switch play a little bit as well, and maybe overlap with the striker, get involved with the wing back as well. So this is this definitely gives him a bit more creativity,
0: I would feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting for Gianpaolo. Of course, um, I have to say that it's a good move for Sampdoria bringing him back in. You know, they look so much better. They look way better than 4 four four two right now, and mm-hmm. um, you know, good good things for them. Good signs. for
2: uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, gonna get carried away because it's simply one game and, and it could be a free cocker, and mm-hmm. so I'm not gonna get carried away and say that they're they're back. You know what I mean? Yeah. But definitely a fucking good sign beating Sassuolo for in an insane performance sure. by them.
0: Um, it has to be said here, um, because you know going to Sassuolo, we haven't really addressed what the fuck happened this game. <clears throat>
1: mm.
0: Dionisi was interviewed after the game, and he said, "Don't ask me about individuals." I take full responsibility for the result. After the 4 0, what should I say? Sampdoria deserved to win, but not 4 0. The result is a lie. After seven minutes, you find yourself at 2 0, then two dead balls, and you are at 3 0. The attitude against Torino had been positive. Now we have to play friendlies and lose 4 0 to have the right attitude. Of course, you refer to the game as a friendly. I'm not sure if that was a mistranslation or if he said, mm-hmm. you know, because they played so lethargically. Um, Sampdoria, oh. on the other hand, were not lacking this because Sampdoria had the desire to cut away from the relegation pool. Um, this fluctuating attitude must be changed in the will. They run and work hard, but it seems like we don't want to win the tackles. Second balls are often not ours. If there is will, no, sorry, if the will is not there, it is also difficult to train. So he's questioning the desire of the players, which we mm-hmm. often have done here for Sassuolo.
2: True. It's
0: right. True. We need to take a bath in humility. I am here to take responsibility. Will must come first. Everything else follows. Now, do you think that the fact that Sassuolo don't have a great fan base to push them can potentially lead to complacency every now and then? Yeah, I think I think
2: it's a number of factors, like you're saying for sure, and I think we've pointed it out before. I mean, the fact that they literally don't have you know the 12th man as they as they call the supporters to push them forward in tough situations and then that must make it more difficult for them I mean we've seen these guys play at home and their uh, their fans are outnumbered by by away supporters so that's that's fucking disappointing and I would I would hate to be in that situation had I been a Saswala
0: player for sure
2: uh, and another thing would obviously be sassuola find themselves in quite a unique scenario where they're kind of midway they're they're a mid-table team you know mm. what i mean and what would motivate a mid-table team it would be playing other mid-table teams where it's a real six pointer because they want to build their way up and they want to be the best mid-table team that there is and then playing the better teams because they want to impress the better teams maybe they'll get picked up by them or because they want to get an impressive three points against the milans the dramas that's Azzios, what it the is teams, man they play well Sampdoria, they don't give a fuck, yeah, that's bro. A like, thing. what's a win against Sampdoria? Like, little, like, obviously, they're fully aware that three points are three points, but what's going to motivate them to go into a match against Sambdoria? You know what I mean? When they could be preparing for a match against some of the biggest teams in Italy or the six pointers in the league.
0: Sure, uh, that, that's a fair point, man. I think that's it, you know. Um, I have dubbed them as Robin Hood, my most successful mm. tweet ever. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's true. They play well against the better teams because they know they have the stage, they have the scouts, Mm. they have Juve watching, they have Milan watching, they have Napoli watching, uh, you know? And they're a young
2: team as well, like Fratesi obviously doesn't want to spend his career at Sassuolo. Raspadori wants to go to winter desperately. Scamacca Scamacca will leave this summer, you know what I mean? So there's no loyalty within the team. I think there's obviously an argument for Ferrari, Concilier and Berardi, for example. But otherwise, (coughs) none of these players have a career at Sassuolo. So do they really give a shit is the question.
0: Definitely. That's the the problem. Now, um, table very quickly. Sure. And by very quickly, I mean extremely slowly. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, keep the guys don't worry, the don't team. worry. Here we are, Sampdoria. <laughs> by coughing, bro, you're gonna keep the mad. You have COVID, by the way. You tested.
2: Um. Well, I I tested two days ago, but obviously I knew I was gonna test negative because I didn't give it those three days to come out. But I just wanted to put everyone's mind that he is at work, mm. that I didn't fucking give them COVID. Yeah. Um. Mm. But I'm gonna test again tomorrow. I I, I would that solid money that I have covered, bro. Like I was freezing last night. <laughs> that but I was my first night. Sweating, like, so, like so I I know, kept I, waking I up
0: to me, terrible. going to me going.
2: Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel terrible, but I never do when I'm sick. You know what I mean? Like even when I got vaxxed and boosted and everything, I never fell incredibly ill. Um, I'm feeling like I got boosted. Oh, you know no. what I mean? Um, So I I wouldn't be surprised, man. But I'll I'll find out tomorrow. (laughs) It would be interesting to let you guys know next week. Yeah,
0: we'll see. Um, I have muscle aches today. It's really bad. But anyway. Yes. Um, Sampdoria currently 16th with 23 points, while Sassuolo are 12th with 29 points.
2: There you go. So the next game is another mid-table battle, really, between Udinese and Torino, where Udinese came out victorious, two goals to nil. Now, remember in one of the previous episodes, I pointed out that there was one fixture that was won by both sides each season. Uh, Was that this one? This was
0: it. Uh... This was it.
2: And it happened again. The reverse fixture was a 2-1 Torino will, win, and this time Udinese one two goes to, to nil. And I had made a joke saying, I'll definitely get it right in the prediction series next time round. I got it fucking wrong. Like I said <laughs> Torino will win again. But whatever. Um, Udinese coming off a nil-nil draw to Genoa, whilst Torino are also coming off a draw to Sassuolo. Arguably, they, they deserve to get away with a victory there. Um, Udinese have only won one of their last six AR matches at home to Torino, whilst Torino have gone unbeaten in 10 of their last 12 against Udinese. A week of upsets. Yep, literally, man. So the play-by-play, not a very exciting match until the 92nd minute, bro. This game was dead until the 92nd
0: minute. Yeah.
2: Mandragora received the second yellow card of the match and was sent off. I must say that was incredibly soft, so a player went up for a header and (laughs) Mandragora made slight contact with the player's legs. player went over, it was the second yellow and he was off. I didn't exactly agree with that. From a free kick, a few moments later, a few seconds later, Nahuel Molina scored a wonderful free kick, man, just a curler. This free kick was shaped up definitely for a near post cross. But he went for the near post strike. He beat. There was absolutely nothing Vanya Milinkovic Savic could have done about it. One of the best free kicks we've seen uh, this season. And Udinese definitely have a couple of people that can hit them. In the in the 96th minute, and then one of Udinese's players hoofed the ball upfield, hoping for a whistle. But what he got instead was Vanya trying to
0: catch the ball and failing my miserably God. and taking down
2: Pussetto once he took the ball off him. It was hilarious.
0: Can I, can I say how this goal directly affected me? <laughs> yeah, so on both my fantasy football, I I, mean, I take part <coughs> in two leagues. I was against someone who um, who who was a man down in each situation. And the way fantasy football works, if a player plays under 15 minutes, he doesn't get a vote. Now, Molina came on in the 81st minute. So he was not going to get them a rating. But they were on the bench for both my opponents. He was on the bench for both my opponents, sorry. And he scored this free kick and put it up. To, he put his rating to a 10. So fucking me instantly. And I had Vanya Milinkovic-Savic in goal, who went from an 8 in two minutes down to a 2. So I lost on both my <laughs> football. Fantastic. <laughs>
2: it was it was uh like it from from vanya's point of view as well just inexperienced goalkeeping over there i mean the way he tried to handle that ball and and obviously he lost it and then the way he took the player out just just you know grabbing his leg from behind was Uh And, and i mean the player took the shot on it was cleared off the line as well so it would more like more likely than not wouldn't have led to a goal but Fuck it, man. That's exactly what happened. Pussetto converted from the spot and it was 2-0 with the first goal coming in the 93rd minute, man. So, talking points. Very disappointing loss for Torino, particularly with the form they've been on. They've looked really convincing recently. Do you think the fact that Juric was in, this, Juric was in the stands had an impact on this?
0: Um, probably. It always does psychologically. They don't have anyone breathing down their neck, you know, so I would say yes, probably.
2: Mm-hmm. and what do you think about the red card do you think that would have made a difference it was in the 92nd minute no,
0: no 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 the game the game should have been won or lost before the actually wait a second it wasn't the 92nd minute the free kick was a result of that red card right i believe so, so. Yes. I, believe so <laughs> Definitely. The, I, I think so it was probably the turning <laughs> so- point for them
2: I'm not sure because I thought the foul happened further up the field. But according to this, it said foul in the 92nd, red card, and then the free kick in the 93rd. So that would probably be as a result of that. Normally it takes a minute to get a guy sent off and score a free kick. It wouldn't take any longer. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case.
0: Urić has criticized Torino's ability to stay focused in a game. And this is literally another reason where they've fucking proved them right. Mm. Literally, man. I think I think that's,
2: it would be the case, eh, man? Like, I play, like, one hour long, five asides, and I lose concentration. And I always, like, I never take it into account when thinking of footballers. Like, uh, they, they would have just not been thinking at that point. You know what I mean? Because I'd be rest assured that they have 90 minutes fully focused on the game. Yeah. But footballers are human, and they do tend to have switch off. of concentration. They switch man. off,
0: of course. And, and not only do they switch off, they... They panic as well, like the, again, back Mm -hmm. to the derby, the Milan-Inter game, Um, the goals came in quick succession. They were probably still Mm -hmm. shocked. Like I said, it was like the game, man. Exactly. So it's all about momentum, it's all about reacting. Now, you know, there's a statistic that shows the the time when you're most likely to score a goal is right after another goal was scored, be it by your team or be it by the opposing team. Exactly.
2: Hormones and endorphins all over the place, like... (laughs) Yes. Now, Udinese, a good thing about them is that they can really tire a team yeah. out, man. They're, they're a tough team to play. Like They they get physical, they get dirty, they pass the ball around. They will tire teams out. They go to the very last second, and we've seen it time and time again this season. And to be honest, Udinese-Torino would be a very physical game, and I think Udinese firmly got the upper hand in this
0: one. For sure. For sure, um, we should probably pick up the pace with the last two because we're two hours in. Oh, but speaking of pace, is better only pace. Boom!
2: Is <laughs> <It's laughs> better. On. better
0: only pace. He missed a few uh, chances, didn't he? I've seen him recently. Yeah, he I'm he not sure if really was well. in this game, but he exactly he tends to miss the one on ones against Savage, Sav- Sav- The same, I believe, he missed a few. Um yeah, Is he be. only pace? No, no, no.
2: His strength as well. He's exactly oh, so strength.
0: And pace. No, he holds up the play well. He's got a good shot on him. He's 24 years old. No, I, I think the, that killer instinct is will, will come to him. You know, he needs more time. You know, he exploded at Udinese. He's not ready for of a big movie. he needs to chill at Udinese and do a bit, a bit better. You know, just, just every year of improving course, a little man. bit.
2: One hundred percent. So to give you an update on the standings, so Udinese are currently in 14th place on 27 points, while Torino. Are in thirty-second place, with a game in hand and one point behind Verona. So they they could potentially move up the move up the rankings a little bit, but they do need to start getting some wins here.
0: Now the next game took place between Bologna and Empoli, which also ended in a little how boring serie. So Bolog- <laughs> Bologna's attack falls flatter than Mihailovic's hat. <laughs> An abnormal nil-nil is what Andrea Zoli chose to describe this game as. And he's absolutely (coughs) right. Um, It was an action-packed nil-nil. Don't let the scoreline take away from the game. It was extremely entertaining. Um, Coming into this match, Empoli had won five of their last eight Serie A meetings with Bologna, losing just one in the process. One second, because I'm going to start coughing. (laughs) (coughs) Okay. Now, play-by-play. In the first half, Arnautovic smacked the crossbar with a long range dipping thunderbolt. And in the second half, Di Francesco hit the post with a curling effort from just outside the area. I've decided instead of goals, I'm going to put posts in there. Now, <laughs> Bologna had 60% ball possession. Bologna had 12 shots to Empoli's 15. Empoli seemed to get closer to scoring, in my opinion. They had many chances and they, they mm-hmm. did pretty well. 15 crosses by Bologna this game, many of them wasteful. Mihailovic preferred Vignato to Dykes as his wing-back, and he made the observation that due to Vignato's lack of intensity, he's not used to being played in a position where he has to contribute defensively and offensively. Typically, he's given a lot Mm -hmm. of offensive freedom. He doesn't need to track back as much. Um, He said that it affected his decision-making and his final touch in the final third, which was fair enough. You know, I kind of Mm -hmm. thought the same thing as well. Milovic hmm. said that um, they are not yet at 100% um, and they could have... Oh, he's been saying that or hasn't he, man? For a while. while I think now. the last game for sure. Ugh. Making excuses. He says we could have lost it. Ampoli away from home is deadly. He also praised Cassius for his performance, the 19-year-old, saying that he just arrived, but he has courage. About Orsolini, it is right for a player to get angry when he comes out because he looked frustrated coming out. Um... Arnautovic's best game, according to Mihailovic. Do you agree? No, absolutely.
2: <laughs> no, man. Like, what's a striker there for us to score goals? Oh, he was good, though. I feel like the <laughs> team didn't play up to him. Yeah, I mean, that, that's uh, more often than not, it's happened this season yeah. with Bologna. I think Arnautovic is kind of like a step above. We could see him at a better team, at maybe a more ambitious team. But definitely not his best game. And I, I mean, how do you rate a striker? by his goals and it's not like he's a conservative striker that should play the ball around he's there to to beat his opponent and score goals so i don't think i think it's rich and i think to be honest it's a bit pretentious to call call this his favorite i think he's just
0: defending his striker who's in a bit of a drought right now that's it you know Mm,
2: potentially. Potentially.
0: Um, Andrea Zoli said that his men should be proud to have gone to Bologna's stadium, stadium and create 30 attacks. He believes that Bologna can too be satisfied with this point achieved. Here is the newly really, uh, newly promoted team um, taking shots at Bologna, saying they should be satisfied with a draw against them. That's cool to see.
2: It's fucking brilliant, man. Andrea Zoli knows exactly what he's saying and doing over there and Empoli took a nice little jump up again so they're now past Saswal of course they were previously in 12th and now they're up to 11th which is nice to see i missed them in the top
0: 10 man they're good man i have to say they're fun to watch uh Zyrkowski played very well really as well he missed a fucking sitter at the point man
2: mm-hmm. henderson played well as always man i really like henderson like i i don't see him as as being a consistent starter for them because he can be a bit moody mm-hmm. Um, but when he's on he's on man I really enjoyed watching him this game yeah me
0: too um, has to be said as well Aslani is the 19 year old who came in to fill in the big boots of Rigtree and boy did he do a good job um, Andrea Zoli <laughs> did say that it's no it's no um, coincidence that every time this guy plays he plays well he's a very good player as well so it goes mm-hmm. to show they have quite a pool of talent in this team
2: for sure, man. He even managed to get a shot away. He had two dribbles completed, seventy-four percent pass success rate. Decent performance by Aslanian. He even got a yellow card. So yeah. nice way to make his mark.
0: So I do recommend watching the highlights of this game. It was very interesting. Um, a lot of chances, particularly, you know, Pinamonti or Cellini had an attempt. Soriano had an attempt as well. There were quite quite a few, quite a few good chances created. Um I'm gonna quickly conclude this one, bro. Um, Bologna mm-hmm. are in 13th with 28 points while Empoli have climbed to 11th with 30 points
2: Fantastic so the next and last game we're going to be covering it doesn't exactly sound entertaining but it was entertaining it's Salernitana against Spezia that ended 2-2 so Spezia are on a three-match winning streak and have Serie a as manager of the month uh, Spezia have won each of their last four encounters against Salernitana and both Serie A and Serie B and Spezia also had the chance to beat the same team in the Serie A in the same Serie A season twice for the first time in their history, but failed because they're fucking losers. <laughs> Salernitana, however, won six of their last eight Serie A matches against Spezia, but they failed to beat them this time round and this year in general because they're also fucking losers. Now for the play-by-play in the third minute. Verdi scored a lovely free kick with his first attempt for Salernitana. He was discarded by Torino in Serie A and Fenku's Angels in Fanta (laughs) Grima. Good to see him turning things around. In the 12th minute, Manai scored from the spot after a penalty was awarded to Spezia. And moments later in the 16th minute, Verdi scored another insane free kick. And it's hilarious if you haven't seen this, go watch it because his teammates
0: freak out when he scores the second free kick man jesus christ his, the scenes are the hilarious scene. the players man. are all like grabbing their heads they
2: can't believe mm. it. it's like Ronaldinho's reaction to Pirlo's goal against Real yeah. when he does the whole <laughs> uh, the whole slapping his hand thing yeah um, in the 30th minute Verde not Verdi Verde for Specia scored from the spot so there wasn't a single goal from open play in this match which to be honest sums both teams up pretty well um later on in the match it looked like amyan handled the ball in the box but the referee waved play on that was a very very close one we could have easily been seen that given as a penalty and we could have seen a victory for Salernitana over there but that's probably me just hating spezia <laughs> now verdi alone was as impactful as zakaria and Vlaovic
0: together <laughs> tell me i'm wrong <laughs> Tell me, I'm wrong. <laughs> well, output-wise, you're you're absolutely <laughs> right, my friend. They have a new striker, no? Um, Salernitana. They have a new team, of course. Um, Muset, Muset. Mm-hmm. A it wasn't. New it
2: was It didn't go, through, go through. Man. I'm
0: so that, upset. That's
2: so disappointing. Man. There would have been Super Diego Costa,
0: Ribery, verdi Oh my
2: god! They brought in what Scepe, kind of like
0: who has benched Belich, by the way, which I think is harsh. He's been really good, Belich. I've,
2: I have I, I thought that Belich has been the only high point for Salernitana for this entire season. I think he's had some good games. Um, I don't know. Maybe bringing someone that's eager to play again in Serie A and just testing him out a couple of times. When you're last, you know, it's, you could try this shit out. But Sepe is a good keeper. I don't mind Sepe. I just think Belich doesn't deserve to be benched yeah, more than yeah, anything. Man.
0: Um, it was interesting to see in the 65th minute they brought on Perotti. Salernitan, of course mm-hmm. and in the 68th minute Spezia brought on Agudelo and it was like the, the battle of the jollies the battle of the wild cards Perotti was trying mm-hmm. to create on one side Agudelo was trying to create on the other and I must say Agudelo is on form right now he's a demon Agudelo since the Milan yeah. game I feel he's, he's been, been he's launched been man- 23 years old huh? mm-hmm. I mean, he. we might see better from
2: him mm-hmm not bad at all. Not bad at all. I think both teams have somewhat improved. I think Spezia, obviously coming off a, a three-match winning streak, and now that they have a draw, that's four matches unbeaten for Spezia. Mm. Quite good for them. They they have a bit of leeway. Uh, they're eight points from safety with a game in hand. So I would say pretty fucking safe. They're safer than Sampdoria. Um, Salernitana last three points behind Genoa, but have a game in hand. But they have improved slightly eh, since they've brought on Verdi and, and, you know, they changed things around a little bit and got called on to on board. But they're going to need a massive improvement, man, to to get out of that relegation zone. And to be honest, I think they'll remain dead last.
0: They're, they're the weakest link for sure. Um, they have a new team. You know, it would take a miracle and it would really be an amazing story that, you know, if, if Salernitana survive, I'm writing an article. <laughs> oh, we could get our guy right? we can get about. our boy It's true it's He's insane really
2: Guys please check it out The untold story of Venezia It's brilliant It is great It is great
0: Okay bro Shall we jump to the I questions We have Exactly <clears throat> Three minutes until the Milan game starts
2: Oh my god Yes alright So let's fucking go I
0: got a I uh, I got a quest So welcome back to our question segment. To drop a question, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Serie A Spotlight. Let's get down to it. The first question comes from our boy Beppe Darmanin, who asks, Milan wins a derby without their starting centre-backs. Once again, Maldini and Co made the right call when they decided not to sign a defender during the January transfer window. What do you think, brother? I still don't think it's
2: the right call. I think Milan got away with it. I think um, maybe it says more about what Milan do on the training pitch rather than, you know what I mean, rather than the personnel needed to fill in the roles. But I definitely think that this was a match where perhaps Milan would have gotten away with it. But, you know, longevity-wise, maybe we'll see in two, three games, we'll see the same two players slipping up. So I still think that Milan needs some reinforcements within those areas. I still don't think that those two look as stable as I would like together. But like I said, Man Milan had a had a good enough performance to get away with it this time round. I think they had a good enough performance to get away with it. But you know, I, I would still like to see a botman or an Eric Bali
0: coming in on board. I think what they did was smart. They knew that they couldn't get a caliber center back of like a center back of the caliber of like botman or Bremer mm. right now. So what mm. did they do? They just stuck with their guns and they'll splash big. In the next um, window, in the in the summer window. Uh, um, in yeah, that case, I agree. Yes. I think they got it right. I think they got it right. The next question comes from our boy Luke Mintoff, who asks, "Who who would you consider is the most underrated signing in January?"
2: Oh, that's a good question. It
0: is a very good question. Um, most okay. underrated signing
2: perhaps I mean, potentially uh, uh, Conti went under the radar Conti went, went under the radar
0: just an injury yeah. prone right back leaving Milan to Sampdoria I think he'll definitely do bits over there sure and the price was pretty good for them too so that that <laughs> could be a good shout also bro perhaps Boga and no one talks about the Boga signing that's true that's Boga true. A could be a, signing he there. could be a killer for them um also potentially Lazitich, you know, for Milan, the striker. I was gonna say
2: Lazitich. I just didn't want to play the Milan card, yeah. <laughs> you know.
0: What I mean? He's again under the radar, everyone's like, Oh, Milan signed no one, Milan signed no one. Actually, you're wrong. Milan signed Lazitich, bro. Okay. And that's that's Fucking an interesting right. one. So we'll see. We'll right see right how maybe. he performs. I feel like he'll have to play at some point this season. Um with Zlatan's injury record and Juru, you know, playing twice a week. Lazitich will have to play. Definitely. Definitely. And Pioli is definitely
2: the kind of manager to plug these people in, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. The next question comes from Andrew Sant Fournier, our boy Santi. He asks... We've already discussed this briefly. um, Could Salernitano beat the drop after this Galactico front line they have built? Also, looks (laughs) like Spezia are going to be safe. Um, I don't know. Has a team ever been relegated with 26 points?
2: (coughs) Well... Salernitana are going down, yeah. and Spezia will more than likely stay up. That that's my answer. I mean, I I think the way the league is shaping up now gives us a great indication of what's gonna happen. You know, till mm-hmm. till the end of the season. I think it'll take a lot for Salernitana. Not because they're Salernitana, because they are getting better. But the fact that Genoa and Cagliari got so much better, then that's gonna make it even tougher for Salernitana. For and I sure. think for that reason, they face the drop.
0: They're not the only team that has improved, unfortunately. So, yes, um, I, I tend to agree that Seller Netana will also go down. Now, bro, I believe you have two questions.
2: Yep. So, the first question is from my boy Carl Gut, Garl Cut on Instagram. Um, he asks Will Morata adapt well? To his new role, or will he be phased out after Vlaovic's arrival? Um, we kind of did go over this mm-hmm. a little bit, but what do you
0: think, bro? Um, he certainly won't be phased out. I think Allegri likes him, and to be honest, he has a new lease of life on the wing. He's playing better. Yep, I think
2: I think there's there's a bit of a we're seeing more of a work rate from him on the wing. Well, at least we're seeing it come out more. Mm-hmm. Um, gets to show off his strength a little bit more his passing his finishing isn't a strong point so I think yeah I I think Maratha's a new look player on the left hand side Um, the next question comes from Jamie Dent very good question over here so he said recently Rooney came out and said how he started drinking plenty of alcohol at around 30 years old onwards to cope with the pressure from football and media this damaged his performance have there been any similar cases in Serie A if not, you can look back on any players who you think may have had similar issues.
0: So, of course, Adriano, when his father died, had um, problems with <coughs> alcoholism and it kind of ruined his career <laughs> as well. He gained a lot of weight and eventually he was forced out of the inter-team due to, you know, a bad mentality, bad physical health. Like, So that kind of mm-hmm. ruined him too. Maradona is one of the players that seemed totally unfazed by it. He is, he is said to have... Well, he's—he said himself actually that he used to drink a bottle of whiskey every night. Now, mm-hmm. a bottle of whiskey every night is a mental. Like, it isn't mental. a habit, no, no, you know it, what I mean? It's, it's, it's an fucked. addiction. It's fucked. Like I, I don't know how he would go to training the next day. Like a bottle of whiskey in the in the evening, and you go and run the next day. Are you mm-hmm. mental? Like how mm-hmm. the hell? Bear in mind,
2: he, he was on that coke as well. Of course, Maradona. Yes, yes. So that—that th- was probably his coping mechanisms in the morning. Life, like, is <laughs> life. <laughs> No <laughs> no It's, it's like like fucked up. Dancing. Um, my main one that I wanted to mention was Adriano. I think Adriano is is the most disappointing when it comes to the ceiling that he had and just the calibre of a footballer that he was and just the you know the dreadful drop that's happened in his career. Obviously, he had a very close relationship to his father. And once his father passed away, he fell into a deep, deep, deep depression. Yeah. It was actually Zanetti who came out and said that his biggest defeat in his career was not being able to help Adriano out of that depression. Yeah. So Adriano turned into alcohol, turned to alcohol rather. He um, turned you- <laughs> into a gin and tonic. <laughs> <laughs> um, he'd show up to train I have- drunk yeah and um cameras would pick him up wobbling all over the place and Inter's manager would come out and say that he was injured so he'd have a problem in his meniscus or something of the sort and after that he had spells in Brazil he had loan spells in Italy as well and his career just fell out and I saw images of him recently apparently he's still not in a great place he's hanging out with the wrong crowd drinking alcohol doing drugs so I certainly hope that this wasn't accurate and and that he's he's found some peace of mind now
0: i have another one a cherry bro a cherry really? when when a was with milan he had mm. kind of an existential crisis He was like nothing okay. nothing seemed to stimulate him whatsoever and he he couldn't get going he had lost like his way and then, now this is what he, he had turned to alcohol as well. Like he was drinking a lot. He said, "I drank everything." That's what he said. Um, Jesus. Then he got cancer in his balls, it, 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 and man. and he said that it's. Bro, it's, can you please say testicular cancer? He got like... he got cancer in his balls, man. He got cancer he got in his got balls. Testicular and... cancer. It's the same thing. He got cancer in his <laughs> liver. He got liver cancer. Okay, go on. Go on. Um, he said cancer saved me. He said, cancer saved me. That's and, nothing I've ever heard yeah, before. And he went to Sassuolo and kind of, you know, he, he beat it. Finally, he said, there's something <laughs> I can beat over. here." He could drinking and he made quite a career for himself as well. He said he always wanted to be called up by the national team. And he was. He was. He played for Italy. Mm-hmm. He's played for Italy. So big success. Well done, Atriabi.
2: <laughs> he's a gem. Hopefully things will look
0: better for him at Lazio soon. Yes. So that's everything on my end
2: you're Yep, everything from my end as well. Thank you guys for tuning in. I have no idea how long this one is, but I can assure you it's fucking long. It's too long. Um, way too long. Um, but tune in. I'm sure you guys will have a blast listening to it and, and keeping up to date, particularly before this weekend's fixtures. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, yeah. Twitter, Spotify, Apple Play, YouTube, wherever. Our website, um, our say website.
0: Uh, spotlight.com.
2: And honestly, guys, read that Venezia article, yeah. it's actually nuts. Um You learn a thing or two, like, did you know that their stadium is small because of a uh, tornado? So yeah. tune in and have a look.